Oh, my demons, I don't even know um, where to start with today's podcast. Okay, okay, okay. First of all, welcome today at Fearless Wealth. Um, today I have with me Kelly, and it's a two-hour podcast, and I I wish, like, th- this sh- this should have been a workshop. This should be a whole course. This should be a whole education system in school. Um, we touch on a lot of touchy edgy subjects not for the sake of edginess but to embrace diverse thinking and to share some insights that perhaps you might share or you might completely disagree with we talk about guns we touch a little bit on just a tiny tiny bit on the current pandemic we talk about money we talk about autonomy autonomy sovereignty internal coherence we talk about the odds being against you and how you change them back towards you. We talk about cultural differences. We talk about value. What are certain values and how do we defer in those? And it's, I hope mostly listen to what works for you. Be open-minded into what not works for you just to hear another opinion. Um, And I would love to hear like what you think of this one, but this is such a golden one. I've been ecstatic for three hours after the podcast, I was just walking around in my house being like, holy shit, holy shit, Kelly, ah, oh, this was so, so profound, so, so, so powerful, and it's all about taking back, taking back real power of your life, not in this fluffy way, you know, where, you know, all the, all the coaches, and, you know, it's been that, those words have been overused, but this is like how, let's, let's, like, let's, completely break it down. What does that mean? What does that look like for us in a real life practice, real life matter? Um, so yeah, let's get on to it today with Fearless Wealth. And before we jump in today's episode, I would like to take this tiny moment and describe you the things that I'm occupying myself with currently. Uh, now, for most of you guys, you know, I have the DOM course, one of my biggest courses, um, it's a part sex worker course, like how to become a dominatrix and a part how to embody the dominatrix archetype. I have the blood coats 2.0 with Jesse magic. It's all about getting in touch with your body, paying more attention to your cycle and how that translates into creativity, uh, wealth, and all the beautiful things in your life. I have a for money ritual workshop and I have a tap in workshop. The money rituals speak for themselves. The tap in workshop is all about demystifying all these annoying buzzwords that the love and gaslight community used abundance, gratitude, frequency, tapping in all of it. We demystified and I'll give you a practical, very hands on um, tools and exercises to really get into it and get a better better connection with you know the the future that you want to have um spring this spring i have a wealth and money course coming and the end of this year fall or winter i will have a new befriending your inner demons course coming now obviously you can find me here with podcast fearless wealth be sure to connect with me on facebook and be sure to connect with me on instagram now let's get to the episode your opinionated contour dominatrix friend money witch demon whisperer alleged demon queen five percent a business bitch and according to some a fake person soviet mercedes aka barra and today i have with me, 
I have to laugh already because y'all don't know what's coming, but I do. <laughs> Today with me, um, I have Kelly. And um, as a preface, um, Kelly lives in the same state as I do. And I'm extremely upset today still and forever into infinity with Bobby who connected us that he kept Kelly away from me for so many years. <laughs> so hello, Kelly. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I, uh, I just got back from um, pew, pew, pew gun class. Oh, nice. I okay. do private classes okay. and um, my teacher looks like an action figure, but then real life. Oh. And, um, Yeah, here it's really cool. And we always talk politics during guns. So it's the best. So he's like, hey, Red, what do you think of the Russian? I'm like, ah, too much. Like, you know what? He's like, what do you think of the Russian Ukraine situation? I'm like, I have opinions. He's like, yeah, I thought so. I thought so. This is good. And he's like, I don't trust none of these people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I heard a, I heard a very. So like I try I try to listen to all sides so that I don't get stuck in like an echo chamber and like just hear people who agree with me, which is, you know, sometimes you do got to masturbate, but sometimes you got to actually listen to other people and whatever. Right. So it's like there, and um, it was interesting to hear like a gun discussion. Right. They were talking about gun control versus no gun control versus something's better than nothing and all of that. And, you know, and I'm listening to that discussion and it was like, I just, I couldn't get on board and I, I really did try to like, you know, listen to it and take in some of the information and I just couldn't get into it. And I'm like, you know, they were talking about, well, you know, of course we all agree that, you know, people who have a history of depression shouldn't have guns. And I'm like, do we like, do we agree on that? Because I don't know if I agree on that. Like, I, I hope I not. I mean, does a depressed person not have a right to defend themselves? Is that what you're saying? Like, you just got to throw them out to the wolves and let them fend for themselves? You're on your own. Yeah, sorry, boy. <laughs> a little mildly, you're on your own. Yeah, that's right. Do you have a slingshot? Because that's what you're going to get. <laughs> Here's your consolation prize. I know you're already depressed and feel less than a human being right now. But here, let me add to that by making you a second-class citizen and throw you out to the wolves. And infantilize you <laughs> into, into a way that you can absolutely not govern yourself to any extent. Not just to a little less extent, to any extent. Yeah, right. And I was like, I guess I know not, not everybody agrees with that. Like, I understand. And look, I get it. I get the idea that, you know, that they're afraid of what a person with any sort of instability would do, given a gun. And and certainly we've seen it. And it's like, but there are plenty of unstable people who would do all sorts of things. You know, I mean, when I lived in Japan, there was a cult called the Ohm cult, who were planting sarin bombs at train stations, like major trains, like Tokyo train stations, not like some boondock, you know, countryside thing where like three people go a day. Like it was like Shinjuku, right? So it's like you have Tokyo and, and these huge um, hubs where everybody's feeding into it and they were planting sarin bombs. And I'm like, they didn't need a gun. They just needed panic. Even the sarin that they were using was not enough to kill more than maybe one grown man. So the volume they were using wasn't even enough to do a mass destruction. But the panic from knowing that it was there was enough to kill more than that, right? And I'm like thinking, sick people are going to do sick shit. 
But the question is not whether or not sick people are going to do sick shit. We can count on that, right? The question is whether or not are we as prepared as we can be to deal with it should that confront us on that day, right? Now, in the case of serum bombs, obviously a gun wouldn't have done me any good. But, you know, just the mere fact that I could be mentally prepared for it, right? The fact that I'm, you know, that I chose to wear sneakers instead of heels that day could get me out of there faster. I don't know, but that's for me to decide, right? Not somebody to tell me, oh, this is how you should be, and this is how you should be every day. And then, you know, in the day that you decide, well, maybe this is not a good idea, maybe I want to do something else, I'm not free to do that, is what's going to ultimately fuck me over and make me a statistic. Yep. You know? And it's like, I don't know, like, I... I I'm grateful that I'm in a state that is more open and more accepting of guns, but I still feel like even those people have like their restrictions in their heads. Their, their line is just at a different place. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's just like, okay. Whereas, you know, maybe there's some people who are like, nobody should have one except for the police. And it's like, then there's others who are like, everybody should have one. And then there's everybody else in between. Yeah. You know? Real oh, life is in the nuance. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm. In the future, I'm gonna do a whole whole episode just on guns. Um. What 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 really struck me, first of all, as um, and I've wrote about this on Facebook too, is I come from Czech Republic, right? Where kind of like farm life, guns. I guess like it's yeah. not. It's it's not even a conversation. Like. No yeah. guns, I guess. Um, all weapons generally, like pepper spray, knives, everything, shockers, that's legal. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's also not a big deal. Like, my mom got me the first chip when I was, like, eight. When mm-hmm. I was 11, she got me my first, like, knuckle brass. And she taught mm-hmm. me, like, how to fucking punch with them without breaking my hand. Like, you know, we, she, she was well-versed in what the world can be like. Mm-hmm. She also said, if you ever misuse it, I'm going to beat you till you cannot stand <laughs> for five years right so that was that was was very clear right like there was no let's be nice and rebellious or something Mm -hmm. um and then i moved later on i moved into the netherlands and in the netherlands any uh, everything and anything that could be perceived as a form of weapon is highly highly illegal pepper sprays anything Mm. so it's interesting being you know belonging to the west how all of the messages only from the United States come, right? Like, you know, mass shootings, blah, blah, blah. Um, But also how everyone is like, like how normal it is in the Netherlands to, like self-defense is not a conversation. There's even been cases where, you know, if, if if you break into my house and my dog attacks you, you can counter sue me. Mm. Right? Like, so... And so my thing was such a huge thing. My pepper spray would get caught in like high school. I, my knuckle brass, my mom would just fucking buy me a new one every right. single time. You know, the, the school would call and my mom would be like, she's getting a new one. I don't give a fuck. Look, unless you can guarantee her safety, we're not having this conversation. Right. And that's my, my point on it too. Like, unless you can 100% guarantee my safety at all times, you do not have the right to take away my right to defend myself. Right. Like I just, that's, and that's the thing is it's, you know, it's like, well, and where it gets reduced, right. And where a lot of the conversation goes is in statistics. So like people are, people will talk in terms of, well, the odds of this ever happening to you, 
right? The odds of you ever needing a gun to defend yourself, dot, dot, dot. And then they'll, and they'll fill in the blank. And, I, and, and my thing is, okay, let's say I'll give you, I'll, I'll even agree with your statistic. I don't even care what it is. You can tell me whatever it is. One mm -hmm. in, pick a number, biggest five number million. you can find, mm -hmm. right? One million, five, seven billion. You're the only one on earth, right? Let's say that's true. And let's say the odds are really slim. It's only slim until I find out I'm the one. Yep. Then I'm 100%. Yep. Now the odds are one in one yep. instead of one in seven billion, right? Yep. Very quickly. And that switches because it's like, because the statistics operate on a lottery basis, right? You don't know if you're going to be part of which percent until that day passes. So you only get to look at statistics in the rearview mirror. Yeah. You don't get to know that statistics don't tell you what's going to happen in the future. Statistics yeah. tell you what happened in the past to yeah. other people, and it wasn't you yet. So it's yeah. like I'm like like a, like a car accident. I don't. I, of course, I don't want to be in one. Nobody does. And it's like you drive in a way that says I don't want to be in a car accident. Yes. But that doesn't mean everybody's going to drive like they don't want to be in a car accident. Or that <laughs> it it's not asshole. even. Or that it's not going to happen to you out of your own. Control, like, right, right. There, you blow a tire. I mean, I ran over someone. Some doesn't shit. see you, right? Yeah, exactly. He didn't see me. Whatever. Any number of things can happen, and that I can't foresee, and or I can't prevent. But that makes it. I just went from one in fifty thousand to one in one. Yeah, there we in go. a matter of seconds. Yeah, and in that moment, did I have the right? I'm thinking about. Did I have the right to buy a car with airbags? Did I have a right to have my, you know, to have a functional, a right, just the right to have it. Mm -hmm. Right. To go and have it functional, have yeah. a right to a car that has, you know, um, that has functional safety belts. Or if I'm on a motorcycle, do I have a right to a helmet and any helmet of my choosing that I feel is the safest? You know, do I have access to that? Can I can I go get it if I can afford it? Yes. Then I did everything I could. Right yes. now. But like you tell me the moment you tell me, well, I'm not allowed to have airbags. Or I'm not allowed to have a, you know, I'm not allowed to have a safety belt or I'm not allowed to get a Volvo that drives like a tank. or I'm not allowed to, you know, I'm not allowed to do certain things that would have prevented this. Then it's like, so you're making decisions that you don't ever have to really answer for the consequences for, you know, Ooh. and that's and so it's like you've put me in a position to pay the price for your decision. And I don't understand why I'm obligated to do that. Like, I don't understand what obligates me to take risks that you want that that you feel I should take any more that I would feel you should take risks for me you know like that i mean even in the case of any sort of ethical you know conversation be it medical or anything else anything that has to do with public ethics is are you doing are you allowed to do what is right for you to protect yourself there's never been a onus on anybody or an obligation on anybody to do things for others you know, and so that becomes, you know, it's like, I don't owe you a feeling of safety, right? I don't owe you that. So you feel safer that I don't have a gun. I don't owe you that, right? You might feel more safe if I had a vaccine, but I don't owe you that, right? Oh, I love that you made the connection because I have comments. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I have opinions. <laughs> I have opinions. <laughs> I, have, I have hours of opinions. <laughs> But it's true, no, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, I mean, I don't owe that to you, and I don't know where you got the idea that I did. Like, where did where did that come from? Like, where did you derive the idea, and where did it come from that said, "Yeah, she needs to do this for you"? And even how did how how 
how do we reach a point where something that has nothing to do with others has now become about others, right? So like if right. I wear a gun, now it's all about how you feel about my gun. And I'm like, but I, baby, I guarantee you, me getting a gun, I never even contemplated your opinion. Like I didn't, first of all, I didn't even know of your existence until you, until you started breathing into my, you know, direction or in my DM. Like I didn't, like, yeah. how did it, how did this become about you? Right. I don't understand how you, how you think that my life is a democracy of more than just me. Like, this is Kellyville, population one. Population one. This is <laughs> dictatorship. This is, a, this is a monarchy. Yeah. I'm the queen. <laughs> this is the it. end. The, the end. end. I, I run this. Non negotiable. Non negotiable. Right. That's right. I run this. My shit. sense of safety, well being is non negotiable in any extent. Right. So when I see you petition me in this way, I reject it and your and your request is denied. Like we don't need to talk about that. This, this no. that's just the end of the extent. Right. And it's like, look, I, I have no problem hearing out where people's concerns are because I feel like there are solutions that could, you know, that, that don't compromise my well-being, but can still, you know, can still maybe abate their concerns. Like I feel like there are there are there is that middle ground of like, I don't have to give up anything for you. But, you know, for example, like, I don't have to pay taxes so that there won't be poor people. I can teach poor people not to be poor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can, there's, a, there's another solution other than just stealing from me. Yes. It's just like, you know, and it's like, so people think, oh, you just don't care because you don't agree with my solution. And it's like, no, no, no. First of all, if we can agree on the problem, then I do there care. There we go. There we right? go. If we might not agree on the solution, but do we first agree that we've identified a problem? Like I can say that poverty is a problem. I have no problem saying that. And I agree that that is true. Yeah. Where we are going to diverge is how we solve for that problem. Right. Yeah. So it's like, so I don't agree with the solution, but that doesn't mean I don't care about the poor. I very and much care about the poor. Like I just, but I care so much. I care so much that I, that I'm already hearing what you're saying and I already see how it's going to fail because it just sounds yeah. like one big industrial sized <laughs> Munchausen by proxy program where you're maintaining a problem. You're not really trying to fix it. And that's the thing. I, I, most of the things I watch and podcasts and everything I listen to is of people who have opposing views of me because like you said, same echo chamber, right? Like I'm, I know my, all my arguments inside and out. I don't like, it's cool, but I can also tell when people do the whole virtue, like, Oh, look at me being a good person by the words you choose. I can already tell that you're not, you, this was never a problem for you. You're just parroting certain mm. people. Right. And, um, this whole thing when, so the gun, the gun thing was like, was, did you ever, have any actual feel? First of all, for, first of all, have you ever been around guns? Have you ever witnessed someone walking outside in a state where it's open carry, where you were like, like the ch the chances that you see someone with a gun? Even for me, as a gun person, I see them so rarely. Mm. So let let's first start with that. Is your notion of what the problem is, and this could be applied to anything? Is it is it something you've actually? perceived as a problem yourself or is it just something portrayed by some very 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 distant media movie or something or was it actually a problem for you like right. unless i'm i'm never i'm not afraid to get sick right so if somebody's gonna be like hey you know but those illness i'm like i wasn't even aware of those so yeah. if i'm all, all of a sudden gonna be like hey but my 
with the gun things, it's like if the guns are the problem slash solution to everything, I better see statistics in the rest of the world, which doesn't have guns, where the violence is almost close to zero, where there's no rape, where there's no break in. I, that better fucking be the case, which we all know it isn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand um, why we, because we talk about, you know, um, you know, we have school shootings or whatever, which is very horrible, but we don't talk about what's the upside. What what are the numbers of what it works for? And and um, people are, if Spotify is not going to pull me for this, <laughs> which they won't, the the vaccine conversation shifted this for me because where everyone who's pro-vax was like where where questionable doubt vaxxers like me would be like, hey, what do you think about people having side effects and dying? And they all went like, well, you know, that's just that's just the price you pay for the greater cost. That's my answer now for people who are anti-guns when they go, hey, but there's a shooting. Well, you know what, baby, that's just the price you pay for a greater cost. Right. Well, I mean, it, but if you think about it, it's like there is there there's no the guarantee of safety and, you know, it doesn't exist in large part because safety is a feeling. So safety isn't an actual thing. It is a feeling. So like happiness. Right. I mean, I can look at you smiling and laughing and say, oh, she's happy. You could be totally you could be a reconciled for all I know. Right. I don't fucking know. So it's like it's a feeling. And we all have that threshold and how we define it. Like what makes you feel safe is not necessarily what's going to make me feel safe. And what makes me feel safe might be like, you you might look at me like, why the fuck are you even doing that? Like that ain't going to do anything for you. But what do you fucking care? You know, yeah. I'm not telling yeah. you to do it. But yeah. if we can each tailor what safety looks like for us, you know, it's like the three little pigs, right? Everybody built their house. And it's like, you built a house based on what you thought you could, you know, was necessary and what you were willing to put into it. And this is what it yielded. You know, you built a house of sticks. Wolf came by and blew it down. You know, I guess we're not building houses out of sticks anymore. You know, like maybe, oh, I built it out of hay. Okay, well, you know, wolf came by and blew it down. Then you go to the bricks and it's like, okay, well, now we all see the value of bricks. You know, and the thing is, is if you were ever put in a position where you needed a gun, right, you're going to call the cops who have a gun. So you're just going to hire a gun to come in for you. I mean, even these celebrities. At a very slow rate. Yeah. Um, when seconds matter, they are, they'll are they be there slow, in a few minutes. slow, pace. Yeah. <laughs> Let me take my sweet time, baby. Yeah. And it's like. And it's not by unwillingness, but just because logistics. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's like, let's say they really threw on the alarms and, and the sirens and flew there as fast as they could. Closest guy is going to get there in five minutes. You're dead. Right. And the question, and the, and the, yeah, and the question or whatever it is, I said, that, you know, that's what's going to be. I said, and so he's going to show up after you've already become a victim. And my, my thing is, is it's like you could have had a gun on the, you are the front lines of your own life, right? So you are the first responder. Everybody talks about the ambulances and the cops and the firemen. They're not the first response. They're not the first responder. You are mm-hmm. <laughs> in your situation. The person who makes the phone call or the person who's in duress is the person who's actually the first responder. Mm -hmm. So they're the second, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's true of everything in your life. So it's like every decision you make, everything that's wrong with your life, everything that's right with your life Mm -hmm. stems from the fact that you were the first responder in every situation of your life, which means you're the source. Whatever happens outside of that, you cause the ripple effect. That's fine. And, but you got to own that for better or for worse. When you make money, 
you have no problem saying, oh, I, you know, I did all this work and I did all this right. And, you know, now you got to follow me. Here's my masterclass, blah, blah, blah. I'm so great. Okay, fine. But when you fuck up, that's not a, that's not a sign of systemic issues. It's a sign of internal issues that you need, that you fucked up. And if you can't evaluate yourself, honestly, you're going to keep fucking up until you die, you know, and it's the same is true with self-defense. You're the first line of defense. Anything comes, anything befalls you, anybody comes for you, any predator comes for you. You're the first one that has to respond. So whatever you can do to buy yourself even enough time to get help is still on you. You're the first one there. You're responsible for you. You're the adult, you know? Yeah. My, uh, my, one of my coaches, she, she, she always said, um, responsibility is making yourself guilty at living, um, in regards to being like. Yo, you kind of fuck up. Yeah. But, um, and also I feel like a huge part of, and again, this, this could be applied to anything, but I feel a huge part of, um, even the the psychological aspect to feeling safe. Mm -hmm. Like I feel significant safer when I'm on my sneakers than I, when I walk in my high heels. Now I can outrun a motherfucker in my high heels, but I feel significantly more stable. My mm-hmm. eyes are more around me when I'm on fucking my platform heels. I'm like, have to walk. Like I have to be observing of where I'm walking actually. Right. Otherwise yeah. you do the little wobble with your foot. A little newborn right? giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> and we all know, like I've had times where again, back in Europe where, um, I would feel calmer knowing that I have some form of self-defense on me. Um, and, and that, and that ha- we cannot ignore the effect that it has for us on our nervous system Yeah. versus what we radiate, I guess. Yeah. It's not, it's not tangible. Also, it, I've one time I thought I had my self-defense on me and I didn't, and I came yeah. home and I'm like, Hey, it's on a table. And I'm like, this is, this is purest form of psychology. Cause I was feeling like all calm. I was walking in neighborhoods I would not, should not be walking. Mm-hmm. But I had to because work or whatever. And I'm like, now that's pure psychology because I felt really safe and okay and calm and able because I thought I had these things with me. Yeah. I mean, and that, and there's something to that too. It's like, you know, I mean, do you care that I sleep with a nightlight on or that I sleep with a teddy bear? I mean, because if that's what makes me feel safer, then I'm going to do it. Like kids do it. You know, kids have their little totem. And it's like, and for me, it's like, you can't measure the crimes that never happened because they saw your side on. You don't know who was going to mug you and didn't because they saw your sidearm. Okay. So you don't get, there's no tally for that. There's tallies for when a crime is committed and reported, and then the person with the gun defended themselves. That's reported. Yes. Yes. When they failed to defend themselves, that's reported. But what's yeah. not reported is all the deterrence, right? Yeah. That didn't where it didn't happen. That's that's like trying to measure. Look at all the jobs I saved. Well, it's the, even the <laughs> you, you. But this goes even for alarms, right? Yeah. Like you can't measure how many break-ins you have. Um, how do you call it? Prevented by right. having a visible alarm on right. your front step. Right. Exactly. I have, if I have a camera on my front door, then how many people would have broken in, but didn't because I have a camera there. Like, yeah. Or at least, at least eliminate the option of your house. Right. Exactly. I mean, and that's the thing is like, we do things to deter, but it doesn't mean it's going to necessarily prevent all crime. 
right? And this, and where I really get pissed off is that in the discussion of guns and self-defense and drugs, even Mm -hmm. the blame is never with the person who uses the gun and the person who uses the drugs. It's the dealer. It's the manufacturer. It's the, you know, it's the, you know, it's all the other elements that go into them getting it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're over 18 in this country. You're an adult. That's the expectation. If you can enter into a fucking contract, then you better enter into this one. And that is self-responsibility. Okay. That's your first contract with the rest of society. (laughs) It's that you own yourself. You're going to, and for better or for worse. And if you decide to OD, that's on you. I'm not here to judge you, but the consequences are going to present themselves without me there. I don't have to do anything more to you. Right. And likewise, if you drive, you know, if you buy a car and you drive drunk and you hurt somebody, that's on you too. And if you buy a gun and you decide to commit a crime with it, that's on you too. Like that's not on the manufacturer. That's not on the dealer. That's not on anybody else. It's not on society. You did it. Own it. But we, <laughs> but we like to have this utopic delusion. It's not even a perception, but per- delusion where we make it like, hey, but if that option wasn't available then this wouldn't have happened bullshit and i'm like that is such a purity i don't know i I, again i don't know what mushroom you grew under but thinking that if if we would eliminate certain tools that bad people wouldn't be able to be bad or do bad things like i have i i do not know how you got to that right and 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 i'm worried about what you teach your children like, do you teach yeah. your children if you're good, nothing bad will happen to you? I please hope the fuck not. I hope you teach your children, regardless of how nice you are, you don't talk to strangers. You don't take food from strangers. Right. Regardless, it has nothing to do with you. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the thing is it's like, are you, are you saying that if they, that a person would not be suicidal anymore were it not for the existence of guns? Like, are you, You've got to be out of your fucking mind. That, that are actually what they're saying. That, right. that is and, actually what they're saying. And right. And it's it's as in the in the gun conversation or in my research of it, I jumped into the numbers of the rest of the world where again there are no there are just no there are no guns. So you tell me please why the Netherlands has percentage wise almost the same percentage wise as suicide as America does. Because right. I thought guns were the problem. Right. I thought, yeah, I thought, I, you know, it's, and same with like, I think there's a Denmark. Denmark's another one where everybody says they're the happiest people on earth. But then it's like you talk to Danes and they're like, we're all popping antidepressants. <laughs> Fucking miserable. And it's like, you know, I mean, I, I saw somebody, I saw an article that described that whole phenomenon. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, if the issue is criminality, right? If the issue is suicide, if the issue is gangs, if this is the, if this is where the highest concentration of gun violence is happening, then what you, the, the ideal situation would be is to get it to get, get us and this, this conversation to a place where that doesn't become an option for you because I'm in that place, right? I can see a gun and not commit a homicide. I can no. do that. I mean, whoa. it doesn't, yeah. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> Kelly, whoa. I know, big flex, big flex. (laughs) I'm just going to come all out with that. But like, you know, but (laughs) but that's the thing is if I can do that, right? If I can wake up every day and say, I've killed exactly the number of people I want to kill and that's zero. How did I get to that place? And how can we get everybody 
to that there place, we, right? There we go. What was what was the what was it that I was exposed to? What was it that I that you know? What were the people? What were the words? What were the whatever it is? And let's figure that let's figure that secret sauce out, and then spread it because that's because that means I can leave all the shit on the table and trust that nobody will touch it. Right. I mean, that's how it was in our house. When I was growing up, my dad's like, I can't watch you 24 hours a day. I got a fucking job. I, I got a job. I don't want to tell you. So if you're going to fuck up, you're going to fuck up. Please don't. Please don't fuck up. I'm going to hopefully create a foundation. I, I think I cre- created a foundation that will eliminate as much as possible fuck ups. Right. And my dad was like, look, I got nine guns in the house. You know, where about six of them are. He's like, I'm going to trust that you don't fuck with them, but I got to go. And you're going to be by yourself for a while, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, and it's like, and every day he came back, guns were in their place. House was not burnt down. Dishes were done. You didn't shoot anyone. It was just, I mean, it was, I mean, if you believe in miracles, that's what it was because I mean, alternatively, he built a trust with me that said, okay, this is what this is. He was very transparent. You know, this is where my guns are. This is what I have. This is where the, you know, he didn't, he didn't even lock them up. So it was like, it's like, he just tucked them away in places. And, you know, he's like that. And I use these to protect the house. He's like, basically, if somebody were to break in, I have a gun at pretty much every point in the house that I need to. Beautiful. Right. And I was like, okay, you know, and he's like, you know, and he's, and he says, when you get older, I can teach you if you want and we can do that. But he's like, but if you're not going to learn, then you leave them alone. And it's like, Fair enough. He says, but if you want to mess with them, tell me, and then I'll do this with you. And part of it was, and I think this is a big deal, like when it comes to guns or drugs or any of those taboo things, right? Is that can we raise a society that can trust that where they can find somebody they can trust with their truth? I want to do drugs. Okay. Then why don't you do them with me? I'd rather you do them with me because you trust me than to do them with strangers with a questionable needle and a questionable paraphernalia and all. We don't even know what's in the shit. I'll get you good shit. I'll get you. And and let's talk about it. Like, hey, let's talk about it. We know what, what, where did that urge come from? Hey, I saw something in a movie or hey, my homeboy is doing it or hey, it just sparked my interest. Okay. Well, let's see. You know, this is what we know. This is, you know, these are the different things. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation and, about it. I'm not going to yeah. judge you about it. If you ultimately want to do it, then let me help you at least so that I, at least I have, I'd rather have visibility into it than nothing at all. And you do it in secret, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and that's the type of shit where it was like, you know, they do this with sex. They do this with drugs. They do this with guns. They do this with the shit that they don't want to talk about because we've been shamed out of it. And mm-hmm. so now it's like, okay, but if nobody can talk about it, how do they get educated? How do yeah. they learn about it? And how do they yeah. not build these horrible fantasies in their heads? Right. From like, everybody's a mass shooter, you know, to, you know, and like everybody's, you don't care about the children and, you know, like these blown out things because all they have is imagination. They don't have, to your point earlier, they don't have any real world examples of themselves in a situation that requires, if they had the education, if they had the knowledge, you can tell who knows about guns based on how they respond to a story about guns. Because the first thing they, I mean, what, however, whatever you think about the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, everybody who understands guns, the first thing they noticed about him was his trigger discipline. Nobody else, the people who don't know about guns did not recognize that. And you know? tell the listeners what trigger discipline is, because unless you are a gun person, you most people don't even know what that means. So your finger's not on the trigger unless you're prepared to pull it, basically. So your finger's yes. off the trigger, 
and it's visibly go. off the trigger. And so yeah. that is, and that is, but you're holding the gun. He's holding the gun, but he's not, he had, he does not have his finger on the trigger. He's not looking like he wants to shoot anybody. So there's no, I mean, so ever anybody else who had that training would have seen him and, and would not have felt threatened because they would have, that's the first place they would have looked, right? They're not looking at the gun. They're looking at the finger to see yeah. if he's prepared to shoot. If he's prepared to shoot, then yes, he, then he's probably then, a mass killer. Yes. Right? SOS baby. Right. Right. Get your ass down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there, and then you take precautions. But once people saw that they were like, he's not a threat. Right. Yeah. And that's what everybody thought in their heads who understood that. And no, and the people who were ignorant about that were like, he's just out for blood. And it's like, and, and it's, and so they panicked themselves for no reason. Yeah. All because it, of ignorance. It, that I feel that the majority of any conversations that were led uh, on that subject was mostly um, led by media, oh. um, led by a bunch of inaccurate statements. Mm -hmm. And um, regardless of, you know, ethics and, and my, my attorney says it beautifully. Um, we can say a lot of things about, uh, you know, guns and legality, but, and, but unfortunately being a moron and making stupid choices is not illegal. So we all have like opinions like, Hey, you know, was it the wisest for you to even go there? Or like, you know, was that, but that's not illegal. Right. Uh, again, right. I will, I till today have opinions. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm not sure if you, like, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's actively yeah. a good idea to go to where mass violence can happen because of heightened emotions. I would personally don't not place myself in a situation. All my people know if there's a fuck up going on, I'm the first pit bull you call and I will arrive. Mm -hmm. Europe, not with, not with guns. Cause there's no guns, but I will <laughs> arrive and I, we will make, we will fix it until yeah. there's whole groups. I'm staying the fuck away from groups. Right. That's right. I mean, it's just a, it's too fucked up in there. I mean, and so we can talk about common sense and we can talk about not putting yourself in a shitty situation, but we can't, but I mean, to be fair, people put themselves in shitty situations all the time. Perfectly intelligent people do this, right? Yeah. So like we're talking about women who would otherwise be totally, you know, to, you know, super smart. Hi, I'm a biochem major. I'm at an Ivy League school. I'm about, I'm on my way to becoming this great, you know, whatever. I mean, so there's women who are super duper smart and then they put themselves in a frat house by themselves. And you're just like, that's not the best place for you. And it's like, I mean, any feminist will tell you, well, she shouldn't have to be worried. And it's oh, like, oh, no, okay. oh, baby. Oh, you touched on something. <laughs> but I'm like, okay. I mean, that's fine. You can say she shouldn't have to worry. And now, and now let's get back to reality. Worry. Yeah, but let's reality says, reality. yeah, but let's be real for a second. There's a bunch of drunk motherfuckers. She's getting drunk and you're at a frat house. Like under no circumstances, does anybody think that that's the best place for you? And, I'm, you know, and I mean, and that's the thing is I would look at that and say, but that was just as stupid. Like you literally put yourself in a situation where you didn't need to be there. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's no moral imperative to be there. It'd be different. You ran in there to get your girl out. <laughs> then you had a reason to be there. <laughs> yeah. Like this would, and, and th this is such a great example because I feel there's such heightened, there are certain heightened topics that everyone's just like, like they're <laughs> like, they, like they poured Red Bull in coffee and sniffed it with cocaine. That's how they just respond to it. <laughs> like there's no, no, like let's, you know, let's, let's converse actually. Yeah. But 
Um, again, like if you shouldn't have to lock your doors, we should in, again, I don't know in what like heaven, I don't know if this is religious based or where this like delusion of utopia comes from. Like yeah. in a perfect utopic world, you wouldn't have to let, let's go extreme. You wouldn't have to self-defend to any extent. There That's would right. be no violence. You wouldn't have to lock your doors. You also wouldn't need airbags. Yep. Because in a utopic world, there would be no accidents. Just none. Right. Bad things won't happen. There's, there's just no bad things. Bad things shouldn't there's, there's happen. There's just no bad things. And it's like... I mean, but, but that's the, but that's like, you know, one of those senseless statements, right? Where it's like, it shouldn't be this way. Yes. And I, and we all agree. Like, I don't think there's anyone, right. any, even the baddest of the baddest person who would right. be like, no, you know, we all unanimously. Yeah. Nobody hashtag all people. Right. All. <laughs> hashtag all people agree. Right. Bad things shouldn't exist. Yeah. No, I mean, and and everybody has their idea of what bad things are, but it's like, also, you know, and so it's like, I mean, a, a, a you know, a criminal will probably likely say, you know, there shouldn't, you know, there, I shouldn't get caught. Well, you know, you know in a perfect world, <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, in a perfect world, he wouldn't have to be a criminal. He could just take this, like, you know, the stuff would be gifted to them. Right. In a perfect Perhaps. world, I wouldn't have to steal. You would just give me things, you know, because yeah, like, we would have plenty abundance of everything. Right. And that still wouldn't be enough for you anyway. But, you know, and that's, but it's, but, I, but it's like, but okay, once you get that out of your system and you say it out loud, now let's deal with what really is happening. And now let's is, go back to now. Let's, yeah. let's go back to the real world. Yeah. Now close the book, you know, and let's sit down and hash out what's happening because what's happening is people are getting raped. People are getting killed. People are getting assaulted. People do commit suicide. There are, you know, these bad things are happening. So, what can we do to mitigate that? And what can we do? Because the thing is, is every time you follow a law, that's one more law someone else is willing to break. 100. Right? And yeah. And it's and like, I don't want to be a criminal. I don't want to be made into a criminal by fiat with, you know, where somebody wrote a law and now I'm a, I'm a criminal. Like, yeah. Like, where did that come from? I was fine yesterday and now I'm a fucking felon. Like, what happened? You know? And I feel one biggest, biggest, biggest danger that especially the pandemic like highlighted to a whole new level mm -hmm. is that um, people have these one phrase solutions for everything. Oh, yeah. The solution to COVID is just masks. The solution to this is just this. The solution to violence is no guns. The solution to suicide rates is no weapons. And I'm like, I, I like if you wanted to brag about how your how your lack of psychology in humans, like like how to say you don't understand humans without saying it. You just did that. Thank you. Right. Um, right. But also, let's let's actually get curious and embrace the complexity of the problems that we, like you just said, that we acknowledge that, that that's the base. The problem is we would like people not to commit suicide. Okay. And then let's, okay, let's first like define like what, why do people commit suicide? Because they're unhappy, right? That's one thing. Probably many kind of agree because something traumatic happened. How can let's tackle those things. Right. Instead of one well, solution. Part of it, I think, is that people have become very lazy about problems in general. Like, I think, you know, because it's like what, we, what we've been told and the bill, of, the bill of goods that we've been sold is that your tax dollars will fix it. 
The government will fix it. Oh, there's poverty here. You're, you pay. You just give to this. You just give to this uh, tax fund, and then we'll take care of poverty for you. And then if it doesn't get taken care of, we can blame somebody else for that. But you know, we'll, maybe we'll blame the rich. Let's go blame the rich. And it's like, and so we've come up with these bumper sticker solutions because we think, you know, because it's like we've been sold that we've been told, oh, all I have to do is pay my taxes and vote for the right person, and then the problem will go away. That's the solution. And he said, he said in his speech, pay me and I'll make it go away. All I got to do is this one magic bullet thing, you know? And it's like, okay, but I don't think that's how it is. Like I, like nobody's problems are like that. And it's, and, and what really bugs me is that they don't, to your point, they don't unpack the root cause. They just treat the surface. So it's like, you're just always treating the symptoms but you're still terminally ill, you know, like, like I said, it's, it's Munchausen by proxy at an industrial level because yes. they're maintaining the sickness. They're just maintaining it. They, they don't want you to die because if you die, then they lose their problem and they lose their platform. So you can't, if you haven't watched the movie, thank you for smoking. I suggest you do right now. It's an old movie and it explains why cigarette people, cigarette companies don't profit from debt people. They want you just poisoned and addicted enough so they can keep making money of you. And right. with that being said, um, welcome to this evening with only this product you will lose all the nasty pounds that you've been annoyed by take this one pill buy one get one free right now again one like right that we right. were bombarded by that um, all you need and, to do is this one thing and it's like this only this one thing and that, that's never gonna that, that just doesn't solve what got you there because the journey to get to to some horrible place like depression the journey to becoming you know morbidly obese the journey to becoming terminally ill in many cases not all is very many complex cases, was long and yep. complicated like yes. it was a series of decisions you know like my, i mean my dad died of kidney cancer and he knows exactly what got him there he mm -hmm. made no bones about it he drank like a freaking fish and he smoked from the age of 14 all the way until you know i think uh, 40 or something so it's like you, you know and he ate like shit. He, and he knows it. Like he knew it. He wasn't even trying to pretend like he's like, it finally caught me. You know, it caught up to me. My bell got rung and now I, and probably too little too late, but by 52, he was changing his diet. But I mean, after he was told he had kidney cancer. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it took him a lot of, a lot of bad choices and it took years of bad choices to get him there. There, and Yes, he did it cold turkey. Yes, he quit, you know, and changed his life cold turkey. He only did that, though, because he was faced with death. Yes. Right? He, he was given an ultimatum. Like, yes. okay. A, a non-negotiable. Right. If I put a gun to your head, will you do what I ask you? Yes. But you're doing it under duress. You're not doing it because you chose it, you yes. know? And it's or like, because you understand to? why you should. Right. Perhaps. Perhaps. But I think, you know, it, it was like, it's like Fight Club, Right where he went up and, and, and took that guy down. He was like a clerk or something. He said, what do you really want to be? I'm about to take your life. What did you really want to be? You're right. And he's like, he's like, he had a gun to his head. He's like, I'm about to fucking blow your brains out. What is it? You don't want to be a clerk. What the fuck do you want to be? And he like put it to him. And he's like, I want to be a veterinarian. He's like, go be a fucking veterinarian. I know where you live. You know, it's like so good. And I'm like, and, 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 but I feel like that was, I mean, you know, it's an it's a larger analogy for for what it takes for people to get out of the trance of their of their mediocrity, you know? 
like they're in a trance where they're just like, well, you know, I'm so comfortable with this, you know, with paying my bills and doing the thing. And then it's like, and then you see these posts too, that are like that. Like the posts are saying, you know, oh, you just work 40 hours a week. So they, for somebody else to build their dreams. And then you're just sitting there withering away. And I'm like, am I though? Like, are you? Because that's what it sounds like you're doing. And that sucks. But like, you know, to, you know, like as my dad used to say, you have the life you want. And when you don't, when you realize that you don't, you'll do something else, anything else. Even if it's yeah. not great, you'll do something else just for the thrill of having a change in your life, you know? So. Yeah. Um, by the way, when you see me go down is because I'm taking notes of things oh. that um, that you say and that, like, you know, that I want to circle back to. Um, one, one thing that um, has been, so I'm 34 now. And one of the biggest revelations I had last year is that because I I can be extremely annoyed and upset with mm -hmm. people's mindset, um, lack of comprehension of the world. And I, I came to the conclusion at the age of end 33, like one month before I got 34, is that I have to realize that what what has gotten me to this point in life that I have a, a broader perception versus mm -hmm. that 99% of the world will never have the triggers or the crossroads, right? So like my, my first, first of all, we have genetics. Mm -hmm. Why did I ask when I was younger, when we had to go to church, why would I be the only one asking questions for God? I'm like, I like your, I'm like, your answer is kind of dissatisfying. Like I'm not satisfied. Right. And then later my mom would have like, you know, non-normal jobs so i that would be my first right like the whole world is telling you you need to go to school and get a job and here my mom was doing absolutely not that and doing living absolutely ball in life so that would be my tr second trigger then i would fall in her first step not go to school also i'm from east europe right so my relationship to government is has never been oh they have my best interest because my mom my my grandma died of disparity of because of what the communists took from her politicians Physically, they took our whole house. Mm -hmm. So unless you have have these certain key points in life, or right. then you know becoming an entrepreneur or being around entrepreneurs, you'll never question tax. You'll never question where money goes because you never had to have think thought about that. Right. And it was such an eye opening that okay, let's and I I got this huge whiteboard and I wrote down like what my beliefs were. Right, like mm -hmm. if you've never been raped, then perhaps you never never think anything negative of men like that makes sense right that makes sense right and then the opposite side if you have then you might have a bias whether right. i'm being realistic or not and right. most people mediocrity is celebrated right we school um cool. asking in school <laughs> even asking in school can i go can i go to pee like that's yeah. I, I said it in bobby's podcast too the fact that we have to respect authority to ask to have our human needs met mm -hmm. non-negotiable right not it's not me can i have some treat no can i go use the restroom and someone has to give me permission for that yeah yeah and if if like it so fucking early why because i said so or whatever because it was right so. like yeah complex conversations are not being held and no and that's on purpose you know, yeah. that's on purpose. We, I mean, if I were to have these, you know, if you were to have any of these heavier conversations with, you know, with younger people, they would, I, I feel like they would think that you were a drag rather than it's, then you're being stimulating. 
you know, that it's like, why do you have to talk about that stuff? You know, it's like, well, um, we should talk about that stuff because that stuff's going to bite you in the ass later. Yes. Right. I mean, you posted something earlier about what would you tell your younger self? Right. And it's like, I would have told myself to really dive into these issues further. I mean, I was already politically apathetic growing up. I always thought, you know, I'm, I was so cynical about politicians in general, and I never really thought that anybody was going to do was really going to do anything. And my dad was a history teacher. He, I think, I think he never really said, but I think he voted Democrat for the most part, but you know, but, but he was a history teacher and he's like, you know, if you never showed up for a federal election, it wouldn't matter. He's like, it really doesn't matter what's happening at the federal level. You have absolutely no say in that. He's like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, so his thing was he would vote locally and mostly, you know, and he'd vote against taxes and stuff and whatever. Um, But, you know, and I thought, okay, keep it local, which I thought, you know, okay, that makes sense. Um, And then what that did was that just made me think, well, all he's saying is, is you have a range of control and you have, you know, and so where's that range start and end, right? Like, to what extent do you have control over your current circumstances? And basically where that lands you is, is that I have immediate control over my response, my choices, my decisions, my, you know, m- what I eat, what I, how long I sleep, all that shit. I have those choices. I, where yeah. I live, all of the, who I sleep with, whatever. That's on me. Right. Yeah. Those are, and that on a day to day basis affects me far more than what the fuck Biden's doing right now. One hundred. I mean, shit's going down in Russia and Ukraine, whether I like it or not. Yes. And Afghanistan was going to be a war, whether I liked it or not, for 20 years until somebody else who had control over that was going to end it. So it's like I'm not going to say that I, I approve of it. I certainly don't. But yeah. there's jack shit I can do about it. So I'm not going to I'm not going to lose sleep on this, you know. Yeah, I'm, and I feel this is this is a um, this is very this is a very again complex subject because I don't know how I feel about it myself because there are um, there's very limited um, effect that we have on like very like you know national laws. Mm-hmm. However, I'm also a believer that enough people understand and say no that it like so- certain things won't happen. And I'm the, the recent law, you know, where everything above $600 needs to be reported to the IRS. Yeah. Um like I'm I'm abs- like as horse because mm-hmm. we're on all financial laws. We've been saying this is going to happen for six, for 6 years. Right. And um and nobody thinks it's going to affect them because it doesn't, again, it doesn't even live in their scope, right? Because who, if you have a normal job, you just get your paycheck directly to your deposit. Like you'll never have $600. Right. 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 Um, but one thing, and that's, that's where I wrote down what I wanted you to circle back to. I feel like a huge part of um, common sense observation and kind of eagle eyeing out of your own perspective is also the exposure to other countries, nations, and cultures. And you yourself, um, you've traveled the world. Um, You've lived and studied in Japan. Am I correct? Because you're half Japanese. Yeah. So can you tell, can you tell something about that? Like what what was it like versus, um, you know, being born here or the, and then seeing there, like what were some of the, well, I will say, I will say this. I didn't, before I, I lived in Japan, I'd visited, but I hadn't lived there. So before mm-hmm. I lived there, I was very like eager to say I'm half Japanese. My mom's Japanese. And like, I say that now, but in a di- but with my heart's not in the same place. And I'll tell you why. 
I went to Japan and found out just how not Japanese I am. <clears throat> and when I say that, what it is to say, it doesn't mean that my, that I, that I deny my mom or that I'm ashamed of her. There's nothing like that. I love her to bits. And there are plenty of things I love about the Japanese culture. There's plenty of things I love about Japanese food and all sorts of shit that I love about Japan. I can't live there. Why can't I live there? Because culturally we are not the fucking same. We aren't, you know, I mean, my, I mean, I'm too outspoken. Nothing I could do about that now. I mean, <laughs> 44. I'm never going to, you know, it is what it is. Um, I was too outspoken, but I, back then I was only 18, but I was still like, if something bugged me, I'd just say it. Like, I didn't think that I had to cloak it in anything, man. Half, half of learning Japanese is learning how to preface everything that you're about to say before you get to your point. And I'm like, mm. for a, for such an abbreviated linguistic language where you literally only need the verb to be grammatical you guys found a way to still add so much shit into mm. your communication before you ever make a fucking point. Like, oh, get to the motherfucking point. How'd you do uh. it? How did you clutter this shit up with your culture for a language that doesn't require very much of you to be grammatical mm. and understood? Half the shit's implied. And I'm just like, so I, so I studied, like, I studied the linguistics of Japanese and the structure of Japanese long before I went there. And then I go there and it's just like, Everything I did, I was just, you know, I mean, I think part of it was that they give you a pass because you're foreign, right? So the, I had what I had going for me that the others that the others didn't was that I didn't look Japanese. Mm. I didn't have a Japanese name. So yeah. the people who look Japanese and have a Japanese name had were held to a higher standard than I was yeah. because yeah. they're like, what the fuck's wrong with your parents? Wait, yeah, they sure. Yeah. You? They didn't teach you this? Is that what it is? Oh, so you so your mom's a failure? Is that what she went to do? She went gotcha. to the United States and be a could be a fucking failure? That's sad for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and it's like it was in and, and it that's that's the type of attitude that they took towards people who were who, who were Japanese American coming back thinking, "Oh, I'm going to be so Japanese." But you are not Japanese. You're mm -hmm. not. You look it. You've got the name, but that ain't you. That's mm -hmm. not your personality. That's not your that's not your that's not your default. That's not like that is not like your your mindset. You're not programmed to be like this. Like yeah. there's a whole programming that goes on in culture that has nothing to do with the language and has everything to do with just being immersed in the culture. So I go out there and I'm like, I mean, my dad would tell you and my mom would tell you and even my worst enemy would tell you. I am a neat freak. I'm a neat freak. I clean everything. My house is pristine. Everything is in its proper place. I'm, I'm also not a hoarder. I'm very, you know, I'm very minimalist in how I have everything. And I was still, I still felt like a fucking slob out there. Mm -hmm. I was like, I mean, but Shinto is more than just a, a, a former state religion that the, the artifacts of that in the culture are real. Like, when, when somebody says puritanically, cleanliness is next to godliness, Shinto took that to such a degree that you still have the remnants of that. So, like, people are already programmed to behave a certain way, which is why when people compare things that work in Japan to things that could work in the United States, I'm like, no, no, no. The assumptions, the cultural assumptions that are already in place in Japan do not exist here. Yeah. Like there is, you know, I mean, for better or for worse, there were great things about Japan, by the way, the great things about the culture. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was chauvinistic and yes, it's sexually suppressed in every fucking way. Uh -huh. But 
there was a respect for work that is unmatched in the United States. It doesn't exist here. It should. It should, for all intents and purposes, for what this country should have been, we should have had that ethic and we don't. And mm. that is to say, you would see a CEO bow to a janitor. Oh. That's a thing. That's a oh. thing. And well, can we, can we pause at that? Whoa. Right? Like, I mean, okay. like you can have status, but you're never above being respectful. Like, oh, so it's like, so he would use honorific language to the janitor and still, and still speak to him and say, Mr. So-and-so rather than Bob, he would still call him Mr. So-and-so. He would still use honorific language and still ask about his family. He was, he would do all the, he would do all the courtesies that he would expect from someone else to do to him. He would extend it down to the janitor. So you are doing work that were it not for you, like, so the appreciate, they are paid an appreciation that just doesn't mm. exist in the United States, which I feel like is a, a huge gripe about that liberals have about capitalism is mm -hmm. that they don't have, nobody appreciates anybody and it's just a thankless job and da, 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 da. And it's like janitor clearly makes less than a CEO in every mm -hmm. country to mm -hmm. what degree, you know, whatever. But the fact that the CEO sees value in what the janitor does every day and appreciates mm -hmm. him and thanks him and takes time for him is something that we just don't have here. We can't so, even imagine that. Right. And it's like, you know, and it's like, that's the type of thing where it's like, how do you institute that? Because then the janitor can say, I take great pride in what I do. There right? we go. There oh. we go. And and that my job is not worthless. I'm not worthless. Damn. I bring value. I have value. And so I will do the very best I can. And I'm going to do the best I can, not because I can get paid more. I can get a promotion. I can do it. Not that. I'm not motivated by that. I'm motivated by the fact that he saw me as a human being and I, and I see him as a human being and I'm going to bring this value. And that, that was a huge piece, right? That was one of the bigger mm. takeaways that I did love about Japan. The and so I mean so for all the cultural misgivings of the things that I and to be fair, when we come to, when, in the United States, I say I'm part Japanese. They people will accept that and say, oh, she's part Japanese, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that is part of who she is, and we acknowledge her Japaneseness and all of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like I don't know that I necessarily have a right to call myself that, right? In the sense of, of saying I identify as Japanese, I do not. Uh -huh, uh -huh. not because I know what Japanese is and I know what the definition of being Japanese is. And it's not just my mom contributing a, you know, a chromosome to my uh -huh. existence. There's more to it than that. You know, the Japanese is a whole other thing that I am not, and I'm okay with, I, I, but I can, but I dip my toe in that. Right. And I can say, you know, I can say, I understand, I, I understand where my mom came from. I understand what she struggled mm -hmm. to let go of. Right. I understand why she left and why she never went back. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can see why, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm not, Japan would not accept me as Japanese. Yeah. I, and, I, they, and, and I, as European, always make this joke, like um, all Americans who are like, we're, I'm, I'm one tenth of a millionth. We do not accept you. If yeah. you can tell me, like, let's start with language. Let's start with pointing out on the map. Where, where the country you say from, <laughs> where it actually is just located. No yeah. Google. What, uh, and that's this is a great, great little jump. Why do you feel this has become such a prevalent theme for 
America as a nation to really own in into the I'm not American. I am X Y Z. I will say, and, and you know, this is a conversation I had with my mom because my mom is was born and raised in Japan, but her father is Polynesian. He's Hawaiian. Okay. So, okay. but he was in the military, so he was never really around. So she basically was born and raised in Japan as Japanese. Um, and um, I talked to her about it, and she says, you know, when I came to the United States, the only thing I wanted was for people to accept me as American. I just wanted to be accepted as American. She came here in the early 70s. Okay. So she says, you know, so her thing was, is like, if people will just see me as American, then I don't have to go into great detail about my, you know, who I am. But here mm-hmm. in the United States, because, you know, because we didn't, because it's not so homogeneous, everybody being called American, you lose your specialness, you know? Nobody wants to be special in Japan. Everybody's proud to be Japanese, you know, but you come to the United States and people are like, well, I have to be something other than American because that's just such a, you know, an amalgam of, of, of undefined shit, you know? And it's like, but I want to be defined as something. I, w- I want to be something other than this, you know? So I'm going to, so I'm going to start defining myself outside of the scope of this. So then they start doing that to my mom. And they would say, you know, it's like she, she has brown skin. So she, so she stands in line. Everybody thinks she's Mexican. She speaks Spanish. And they put her into Spanish-speaking lines. She's like, my name's Annette Diamond. Like, <laughs> why would you think I speak Spanish? She can't. And so they put her in the Spanish language. And they start talking to her. She's like, I still don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Doesn't matter how, how often, but I still don't speak it. Yeah. Tried to learn it in line. Could not. So I'm still going to need the English-speaking language. You know, this, in the English-speaking line, please. Or if you could speak English, just do that. And, you know, but everybody, and then when she went to South Dakota, everybody thought that she was Sue, you know, and then when, you know, when she's in LA, everybody thinks that she speaks Spanish. And it's like, and it's like, she's like, why does everybody have to try and do that? Why can't they just presume that I'm American first and that I'm going to do what Americans do? Like, I'm going to do what you would have done. What what would you have done? Now treat me that way. You know, like, what, how do you go about getting your driver's license renewed? Yeah, because I do the same thing you do. I have the same fucking rules. I go to the same fucking institutions. I have to do the same thing you do. So what is it? You know, and she's like, she's like, I didn't. She the one thing she doesn't like is people calling themselves Japanese Americans and not knowing a goddamn thing that goes into being Japanese. It bugs her. Yeah, what you just said is that she's like, because she's like, I know what Japanese is. It bugs me. You know, she's like, and she's like, I I can. You know, she's like, here I am, all fluent and shit, and this person is butchering their last name. They can't say their own last name. She's like, what the hell? She's like, you can't speak it. You can't communicate it. If I dropped you in the middle of Japan, everybody would immediately know you'd have a big beacon coming out of your head that says, hey, I'm foreign, you know, and posing as Japanese. And yeah. she's like, that's basically what you're doing. You're posing as Japanese. You're pretending and you're playing, you know, and you're basically playing the social dress up, you know, where it's like, and because you were given the slanty eyes and the straight hair, you can pull it off. She's like, but you're literally just pretending because you're not, you know, and, and that, it, yeah, sorry, that's what drove ahead. her. That's what drove her crazy. And I get it. I get it. You know, once having gone there, I get it. I went, I ain't Japanese. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> Very clear. Day one. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that, um, first of all, yes to all this. Like again, as, as, as a Czech person, every time someone's like, Hey, I'm Czech. I'm like, I start rambling in Czech and they look at me like, you know, I could have just been spoken any made up language. Um, But I feel it's extremely disrespectful 
to where I'm from or right to whatever nation Mm -hmm. that you disrespect where you're from. Like you want to alleviate, like eliminate, disassociate so far from it that you can't, because if you can't respect where you come from, you definitely do not get to belong to where I'm from. Right. By, by association or whatever the fuck. Right. And I, f- I, I, I don't know, as merely an observation, maybe you have some wiser words on this, but I feel where a lot of American people now hate being American for perhaps some negative con- connotation to it. I'm like, the solution to um, contributing to, you know, a better perception of what it is or what it could be to be American is not by distancing yourself from it. Mm. It's actually by diving into it. I'm American and I'm going to do this differently or I'm going to be an example. I'm going to lead by example. That's a great thing. It's interesting that you say that because a friend of mine was talking about, she's like, you know, she's like in her forties and then there's like a 20 something person that says they, they wanted to hang out with her. And, you know, she's just joking about it. It was something that worked. And I, and I, and I, and she's like, I don't, I can't relate to her. Like I can't relate to a 20 something person. I can't relate to what she wants to talk about, what she wants to do. Like I don't, like we don't connect in that way, like as friends that way. She's like, I just don't. And, you know, she thinks it's a generational thing. I don't know, but I was, I kind of played into that. And I was like, I've met people who are millennials and they say, well, I'm a millennial, but I identify as generation X. And I was like, that statement alone makes you millennial as fuck. You cannot <laughs> expatriate from your fucking generation and when you were born into mine. You can't. So you better fucking clean up your own shit. You know, it's like you don't get to, you don't, you know, it's like, it's like people who are, you know, like feminists hating on men. I'm like, clean your own fucking house, bitch. Clean your own fucking house. You got enough toxicity in here to choke a fucking grown elephant. What the fuck? Why don't you clean up your shit first? Then you can go talk about how men need to level up. What are men leveling up to? You have this this base level bullshit that you're coming in with. You're toxic as fuck in all of your relationships. You've got every double standard known to man. You play the fucking victim card on the daily, and then you're sitting here saying, "Why won't a man? Why won't a man respect me? Why won't a bitch respect you? Yeah, <laughs> this bitch won't even respect you. <laughs> like, yeah, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah. and it it be, it become like first of all, feminism is a virus. It's a cancer that everyone's like wearing on their fucking eye and, and oh. everyone's just looking, wow, your cancer is really pretty. And I'm just like, your cancer makes me fucking vomit. Yeah. Get your cancer out of my face. So, um, it's just like any other movement. It started organized. It had a very clear goal. There was organization, there was planning, there was structure. How do we, where are we right now in the world? How are we going to move towards that goal? What necessary steps and pain and whatever needs to be taken to get to that goal? And once that goal was obtained, now it's just women hating men just because they're, just because they're women. Well, people have become, people have found a way to profit off of it to where they can't afford victim, victim consciousness, baby. Yeah, you cannot, I can't afford for this problem to be fixed. So I always need it to be here in perpetuity or else what happens to my whole movement? What happens to my, my page? What happens to my cause, my magazine, my this, my that to complain about all the bad things and all the iniquities. And it's like, you know, but my, but I, you know, it's like, I understand the idea of telling somebody, you know, look, you need to clean up your act, but you don't get to say that from some place where you don't, where you think that you have that act together 
when I'm watching you come unhinged, you know, I mean, and that's the thing is it's like, to your point, clean up the space you're fucking in. 100. Clean that shit up. I mean, I'm not opposed to expatriating or leaving or whatever and going all over the place and being that and, you know, and, and finding a better place for yourself. I have no problem with that. Like, I'm an open borders bitch. Like, you want to fucking come in? Come in. Figure your shit out. Wanna, you want to you sell shit on the, on the street? Sell shit on the street. I don't give a fuck. You know, that it, it, I might like it. Fucking tell me, you know, I'll buy it. You know, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care. If, if it makes your life better, go do it. Right? Yeah. That's fine. But there are things that you were born into that you have. That's the cards you were dealt. You don't get to like say, I don't like my hand. So I'm just going to pretend like I don't have a jack <laughs> and I'm going to pretend it's a queen. No, you were dealt a jack and now you have to play said jack and you need yes. to work with what you've got. And you were born into a certain generation. You were born into a certain culture. You were born into a certain family. You were born into certain circumstances. That was chance. But everything thereafter, when you gained your autonomy, is choice. You went from chance to choice. What you were dealt was chance. What you do with that hand is choice. And so now that you're 18, you're, you're, you're playing your hand, you don't get to say, well, you know, I was dealt this hand where I don't feel like I identify as this thing anymore. Well, tough shit. Work with the, work with the hand you've been dealt and try to figure it out. You know, however you think you can do that. What I'm not going to do is feed into your delusions. Yeah. Okay. I understand you feel less than. I understand you feel like you've been gypped out of something or ripped off and you should have had, should have, could have, would have, whatever. Okay. And that didn't happen for you. Okay. You know, you're, you were born into poverty or whatever. I don't know. Like what, think of the worst possible circumstances, you know, like every fucking thing that happened to you and you were born into, you didn't want it. Yeah. Okay. Either you're going to make it a life that you do want and you're going to start making those those strides in that direction or fucking you're going to give up. But well, And you get to do that. You get to give up. Mm -hmm. You do. Like, yeah. Bless you choice. for living in the West yeah. where you have the freedom yeah. to give up and li live proudly in mediocrity for the rest of your life. Yeah. You get to do that. Yeah. Let there be power in that. Like, I want to emphasize that there's power. Like, you don't have to fix the world. You don't have to fix the life mm -hmm. solution. You don't have to fix your generational curse. You get to be, but let it be a choice. Right. Let it be a choice. At least be deliberate about it, you know, yes. and at least be cognizant and be self-aware enough to say, I, I chose this for myself. And look, I, I think the moment you've made the choice, it goes from mediocrity to excellence. Because Damn. it was something you wanted. You got what you wanted. And so that's success, right? Success is defined by achieving whatever the fuck it is that you were trying to achieve. And if all you were trying to achieve is this one thing and you got it, then I guess congratulations are in order, you know? But there's some people who are still on this long-ass journey to get from A to B, and I'm not even close to that. So it's like, okay, yeah. I've got shit to do. And I've, I've got yeah. shit I want to do. And I feel like, you know, a lot of a lot of the problem that we have is that we try to homogenize those values and try to homogenize and, and level set those, you know, those ambitions. And we're trying to set it to the lowest common denominator. And we're and we're like these crabs in a bucket where we're saying, OK, I don't want you to get out of the bucket now either. I want you to stay with me down here. Oh, 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 yes. Go ahead. Go, yeah, oh. go ahead. <laughs> no. But, you know, I and, and that's and that's where and that's where I draw the line. 
It's like, okay, I understand. You're, you know, you've, you, you, you are at your happy place and you, and you say to yourself, I don't need anything more than this. Okay, fine. I love that for you. Yeah. I love that for you. Congratulations. You know, and again, I legit love that for you. Absolutely. And it's like, and, and not many people can say that. So good for you, you know, and that you were able to get there and that you had all of, of all the things that could have happened. You landed on the one thing that early, like in your twenties or thirties, you landed on it and you're already set. It's like fun, but there are people who want more for themselves and it's not necessarily more materially. It could be more spiritually, more socially. You know, I want more friends. I want a bigger network. I want more, you know, I want to, I'm more of an extrovert. So I need to be around a lot of people. I don't know, whatever, right? However, that's measured, whatever more means that is for, for them to pursue. Now, yes, if you go. see that and you're like, but I don't like that for you, then that becomes an issue. That becomes a serious, but I feel like that's what's happening is that it's like, I want you to settle with me. And then, and, and now it's like, you know, and it's like, am I, you know, then they start asking shit like, am I the asshole for not wanting my friend to go off to, you know, to France? Yeah. You're the fucking asshole. But why would you? Why, yeah. Why would you want others to settle with you? Because if this is the thing, if you want others to settle with you, you're you're literally saying without saying it, I'm not happy where I am. Yeah. Because if you were happy where you are, right. it wouldn't. It, you you wouldn't need no company in that place. Right. And to cycle back to um, that's why I'm making notes. Cycle back. Like to a lot of a lot of movements, not only the feminism movement, but a lot of movements where there are like, but they and that and they need to and fix and whatever. It's like trying to. I, I I always explain this in my own spiritual coachings myself. Right, we have our inner inner being, like literally our body on our inner um, landscape. Then we have our direct environment, which is like the environment you know, one meter, two meter, three feet within us. Then we have our outer environment, which is everything I can see. Mm -hmm. And then we have everything beyond that. Mm -hmm. So wanting to have, wanting those people in the beyond that to be a certain way, what are you doing? It's, it's tinkering with, with things you can't control to avoid the responsibility of tinkering with the things you can't. It's really that simple. It is, I think it is. I think it really comes down yeah. to that. And I'm not always a reductionist, but I feel like it's very, I mean, because these, these aren't complicated people. These decisions aren't even complicated. These decisions to control others, you know, and to, and to try and dictate to others how they should be and what, and how the world should be and, yeah. and trying to make it that way, you know, it, and, and what really, I will say as a sidebar, the way in which Generation Z is depicted is that they want to change the world. They want to be change agents and they want to, and they want to make the world a better place. And they feel like previous generations just set them up to fail and all of the, and, you know, and so they have this whole challenge in front of them to make, to course correct the world. And it's like, and I'm like, and, and so the way they're going to do it is by buying socially conscious products. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, oops. <laughs> you know, but it's like, but I, it, but it's like, so what that they donate to a cause? So what that they do that? What stopped you from donating to the motherfucking cause? Like, if you really wanted affordable housing, what the fuck was stopping you from taking the dollars that you spent on on an unnecessary package of cheese and giving it to a fucking to 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 Habitat for Humanity? Like, what stopped you? 
what stopped you from picking up a fucking hammer and volunteering your time? Like, yeah. well, I'll tell you what stopped you. The fact that you, that you could, that's something you can control. And what you want to do is you want to put social pressure on corporations to take responsibility for shit that you should be doing. You know, yeah. so now these corporations are cowering in corners. These fucking, you've got billionaires shaking in their motherfucking boots saying, oh shit, do we, do we have to change our logo? Do we have to put the rainbow flag during July? Do we got to, you know, do I have to black out because black lives matter? Do I got to do all, dude, you're a fucking 65 year old white dude sitting in the Hamptons. Nobody knows, nobody gives a shit and nobody believes for a second that you give a fuck about any of these things. Nobody and, for a minute yeah. does that. Like, and it's it's right now because I know you touched a little on cancel culture and all these virtues signaling. And I love you for it because you didn't use the word. Um, but the last few days, what has been um, trending and going viral is delete Spotify. Neil, mm. the mu- musician, um, made yeah. Yeah. Neil said very very publicly. Um, Spotify either has to, you know, delete Joe Rogan or I'm gone or I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I can, and this is the thing, eh? I, I might not agree with it, but I think I can fuck with the integrity. If this is something that, that, that is important to Neil and he, that's something that I'm like, good for you for having values. Um, so Neil's music got removed. And first of all, everyone is going like Spotify did this Spotify. I'm like, no, 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 this isn't autonomous adult artist who made certain demands about how he wanted his music being distributed and under what circumstances his wishes got honored. Yeah. Like this, there's, there's no, there's no victim here. Not, not Neil, not Spotify, not, there's no one is a victim because everyone's wishes got honored. Right. For one. Right. Um, And, but now delete Spotify is trending um, and everyone's, everyone's moving to Amazon music and Apple. <laughs> and I'm like, moving to these, moving to these other platform is not the moral superior move. You flex, you think it is. It never is though. It never is the, you know, the types of the, the type of, you know, moral high ground that these people tend to claim is like, you, you just, you didn't you just finish having Bezos's ass? Not like, Two months ago, because he didn't donate as much as his fucking ex-wife did to charity and shit, and now you're going to Amazon. Like, how's that iPhone fuck? working for you, by the way? Yeah, and how's that fucking iPhone? Yeah, I mean, I know, you know, it's like, I, I feel like there's this, like, people feel, I think there's just this general feeling of, like, you know, there's so many people that can be successful, and now I see it, right? I mean... Contrast that with somebody who doesn't see that kind of success, right? Like on a daily basis. Like we see so we have such exposure to success, not just celebrity, but like success, like wealth building, you know, coming from jack shit in a garage. Autonomy, sovereignty, freedom. We see this and we see like people who are like, you know, oh, I started my bakery out of my house and now I have a, a shop. And we see this. And so this exposure to success is like, Rather than motivating them to want it for themselves and do that work, they feel entitled to a piece of that work that they did. And it's like, which is completely opposite to what I saw, like in Thailand. I went through, you know, I went through Southeast Asia for about a month. And man, they will hustle any motherfucking thing out there. Like if they can sell it, they will. Like, and nobody stops them, which I thought was fantastic, right? I was like, 
okay, maybe Thai prisons suck and their regulations on paper are horrible, but it look, doesn't look like you need a permit to do jack shit out here. <laughs> like, you know, as long as you don't smoke weed, they're kind of okay with you. Like they left them alone. I mean, I'm in Bangkok and I'm watching as somebody's just like, I have, you know, I have these bananas. I'm going to start putting sweetened condensed milk and Hershey syrup on it. And oh, that sounds it. so good though. That I mean, it was actually, and she made some sort of dough thing too, like wrapped it oh, in. Shit. I don't know what the fuck Take she did. But money. I, I, well, I wanted to put her in my duffel bag and bring her home. I was like, I, I right? will talk to you. I want you to cook for me. Yes. You know, that sounds amazing. There was a guy who was selling noodles out of a cart, had three bowls. So three people could eat at a time and they eat in sequence. And then he'd wash the bowl out and hand it to the next person. There was like no sanitation or anything to it. And I'm like, but that's where the locals went. So I was like, fuck it. I'll do it. (laughs) You can do it. I can do it. You know, and I, I took my chances, but you know, but I saw that and I'm like, nobody's sitting there resenting the fact that I'm a foreigner coming through as a tourist and spending my money. They're all trying to get my money. They're all trying to hustle and sell me something that I would want. Here's a sarong. Here's some jewelry. Here's some food. Here's some this. They were trying to tempt me with anything they had to earn. I am yeah. an opportunity to them, right? Yeah. Whereas here, as is every human. Yeah, right. But they, but but it's very clear and it's spelled out, especially yeah. in yeah. these poorer yeah. countries. Yeah. And it's like, but then I come to the United States. Nobody sees me as an opportunity. Nobody sees nobody sees me walking around saying, "I wonder what she wants." And I wonder if I have that. And I wonder if I could sell it to her today. You and know? that's why 99% of all motherfuckers will stay poor and they will die poor. I know. Motherfuckers. Indeed. And what, so how did we, how did we get from positions of higher um, work? Well, how, however, however the fuck you got to becoming an right an important an important business person, how do we how do we get from seeing the CEO of X Y Z company as a inspiration and kind of like a for me it's this door opening right? There's this video online I will post it soon of um, it's a fast and replay um, figure graphic of all how the the wealth has been distributed or how the wealth has existed for the last, I think, 70 years. And you see names pop off, but you see pop on. And then you see, right, like yeah. financial chairman and they, they go off the radar. Then you have Jeff Bezos come up and he disappears for a second again. And for me, that's so inspirational because that means that it can happen so fast. The dynamics, right, that it's not a static pool. Everybody says it's not there's a static a- thing. Right. It can happen. To right. it, like it can happen. Like the diversity of Germans, Chinese on there. Like, like right. again, wealth has happened all over the world by all types of people. Yeah. Um, but we have gone now to this. To this, there, there, there seems to be a gap of understanding of um, pain, money. Right. We, we have this idea that there's this limited amount of money in the world. Right. And if that person has more, that means I cannot have. I cannot have more right. or if I can take from that person, then I will have more. And it's right. the same now with, we have all these privileges and you're able bodied, you know, you should be grateful. No, I don't need to be grateful for something that could be the norm. I'm, I'm aware. I'm grateful that it works, but it's not, it's not as opposed of you. It has nothing to do with you. We don't need to both right. be in a traumatic victim porn situation. Right. 
I want, I preferably actually, I want everyone to come to this position where everyone can feel great. Right. Exactly. And it's like, I, it's not, it's not because somebody is blind that I can see. Right. That's, they, oh, that's, oh, it didn't come at somebody else's expense. The idea that that happened is, 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 a, is unfounded. Right. It's so the idea of, of ability, success, wealth being a zero sum game is, is fully imagined. Like it's an imagined thing. It's, 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 it's a, that's not true. That's not what reality is. And so it's their excuse to give up. Right. The excuse is that, well, he's rich. I'm poor because he's rich. And there we go. just as I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thin because they're fat and I'm, you know, I'm short because they're tall. I mean, the opposites exist because one took from the other. That's that's literally how they see the world. And I don't know where they got that from, because these are the same people who say to follow the fucking science. And that's so unfounded in reality that it's like, I don't know where you got that from. But that's not true. You know, well, and you know, the CEO made money because, you know, on the back the of the backs poor. on the backs of the poor. And I'm like, you don't seem to have that notion when it it's in regards to things you um, like. Right. No one's yelling at Beyonce. You got rich of the poor. No, because you see the same amount of value as others see. So I've made this comment on online in one of these debates one time. I feel like there's this old notion of like these perhaps like predatory financial chairmen who, you know, flip things and, you know, make perhaps profit of other people's debt. Um, and I'm like, that's not the current richest people. They have nothing to do with that. They yeah. have created value for every single individual. Actually, you're complaining on their platform right now. Right. Um, so that that's not up at the expense of. Right. Right. And if there was ever a, a, a real, true and honest democracy, it's the free market. Right. You voted with your dollar. To give it to and your attention, you pay with your attention, you pay with your time, you pay with your money, you do this on a regular basis and you give it to Amazon and you give it to Zuckerberg and you give it to, you know, everybody else. It's like you've given it to everybody else. Why are you why are you mad that they took it? You gave it to them. They asked for it. You said yes. It was not under duress. You did it because you wanted to. You gave it to Steve Jobs and got your iPhone. You gave it to, you know, you keep giving them money and then you're pissed that they make money. Like, why do you keep giving them your fucking money then? Do something yeah. else. And it's like, and then, you know, so I, I've, I've gotten into that debate with people before where I said, look, if you're a successful baker and I use King Arthur flour, right? In my successful bakery, I use King Arthur flour. I don't owe King Arthur flour a portion of my profits because I managed to make something good out of their flour. I owe them whatever the fuck the flour costs. There we go. And then you go home. And then you come back and you ask me again, hey, do you need more flour? And then we'll see if I can buy it. And then I'm going to see if I can give you less money for more flour. <laughs> you know, we do business. Let's I'm going to try and negotiate the volume down. Like I'm going to say, OK. It's, it's, and that's not that's not like that's not secluded to only the West. You know, no. negotiation happens in any poor, in any class, more in any so. country, in any culture, everywhere. It's even expected in some cultures. Like they don't expect 100%. you to pay. They don't expect you to pay the initial pr- asking price. So you should be haggling it down, or else you're rude. You know, like I mean. <laughs> so I mean, but the idea that you know that 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 that, that there's dynamics in wealth means that that there's also dynamics in poverty, right? That means that that's not a stagnant pool either. 
And there's not a stagnant pool in wealth. There's not a stagnant pool anywhere. It is constantly shifting back and forth, you know, up and down all over the place. I, you know, I read a story about the guy. There's a, there's a vice president of Latin or Hispanic something at Frito-Lay. That guy started literally as the janitor, couldn't speak or write enough English. Okay. But he sees this video of the owner because they're suffering. Frito-Lay is suffering. They, their brand is suffering. They're not making their sales. They're starting to lay people off. This is, and, and this, this happened in real life. I, I, I thought it was just an astounding story. He, the, the guy said that the, the, the CEO makes this declaration. One of those, you know, puffed up, I'm the CEO. Hey, let me give you this feel good video, right? And Americans are so cynical that they just kind of blow it off and roll their eyes. He took it to heart. He says, we're a family here and whatever, you know, every contribution is important. And if you have an idea to make it better here, I'm ready to listen. Right. Which is like any other American would be like, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, sure you are, whatever. Fuck you. Just pay me and I'm going home. He took it to heart because he didn't, he, he's not American. He came from Mexico and he's like, oh, the CEO said this. I'm going to see what I can do. So he's the janitor. He has these fucked up hours, right? When nobody's around, he can't he can't clean while everybody's there. So he cleans afterwards. So he's got these really late hours or really early hours. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to take these blank um, Cheetos. So like they're, they haven't been flavored yet. So it's just the chip, nothing, right? He took a bunch of it home and started experimenting on how to make it more appealing to Hispanics and started going crazy with the seasonings. It's like Hispanics like spicy. They like their shit spicy. So he started coming up with like seasoning mix that would make it taste good. That's how you got the flaming hot Cheeto. So he's the guy and he brought it to the CEO, but he couldn't do it because he couldn't write. He was illiterate. So his wife wrote up the presentation and he gave everybody a baggie of this of his sample of what he was doing and presented his idea. I know I'm fucking bawling. I have like projectile tears coming out of my eyes. I'm trying to, I can't read like this. And it's like, and and so he comes up with this idea and they're like, that sounds good. Let's try it. So they do it. It fucking takes off. Dude hasn't seen a broom since. He's now the vice president of Hispanic product development or some shit he goes on lecture circuits and Mm. and tells people how he came from jack shit you know and how he had nothing but he took the he took them he took these words seriously and how he felt connected Mm -hmm. apart not like the americans i don't want to be american so i'm gonna try to distance myself from it no i'm a part of this Mm -hmm. let me contribute let me be that change let me contribute Mm -hmm. to change growth let me take it seriously for a second you give you give even that a, 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 an inch. You give even you give that consideration even an inch. You can let in a tremendous amount of opportunity, and I feel like there need and, and look. Not everybody's going to appreciate you, right? It, it could have gone either way. I mean, the CEO could have just as easily said thanks, but no thanks, right? He could have yeah. said that. No, nobody there's knew. A, there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of factors contributing to this whole success, right? Correct. Because if there wasn't a company, if there wasn't anyone listening, like, it, right. 
And so, I mean, he started off his presentation saying, you know, you said if we had an idea, we should bring it to you and you would listen. So here I am. And that's what ended up happening. And so um, I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of responsibility not being taken by individuals to participate in their life. Like they really aren't they are not active participants in their own life. They are they're just letting life happen to them. And you can tell by their rhetoric. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you can tell Mm -hmm. by the rhetoric. The -hmm. world is conspiring. The universe is conspiring. No, it's not. No, the universe doesn't give a fuck that you're alive or not. The universe doesn't care what happens to you. The universe is just existing and doing its fucking thing. You need to do the same. It carved out a place for you. Yeah, 100. (laughs) It's like, that's it. I'm I'm really worried about, um, as someone who owns the domain name, RighteouslySuperior.com, that's my domain name. Nice. Um, I'm I'm worried how people got to the place where they think they understand how the world, a universe, works. Yeah, like like that's like again, like I'm super. I'm all for everyone having superiority complex, but that's that's even too excessive for me to to claim that you know and that you have to or that people have to solve the universe first, mm-hmm. right? Like what you see a lot now, like. Um, well, f- f- you say things like, "Hey, if you want to be good, then you then you need to work hard." Yeah, but what about those people, right? I'm like, let's let's. Uh, first of all, does it matter? Does it have? Does it change anything? You knowing or not knowing the answer to that? Does that have any effect on you doing work or not doing work? You showing up for life or not showing? Like it? Correct. Yes. And why would we all pretend that we need to first solve the universe before we can better ourselves? Why would you do that? Why would you put the collective before yourself? Like, why would you, why wouldn't you put yourself first? You fill your cup, the excess goes to everybody else. The overflow is for everyone else. Right. So it's, I mean, when you get on a fucking plane, what's the, what is the first thing that, that we, that the stewardess tells you, you put on your fucking mask first, because you can't fucking help anybody otherwise. So you're, you're no good to anybody passed out and dead. So it's like, you have to fill your cup first. You have to take care of number one for no other reason than for you to fulfill your altruism towards everyone else. Like, you know, even if that's all you do, you know, but it's like, I think part, and I think it's, I think you're right. I think people, people will either see life as something that you participate in actively or something that happens to you. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if, if, if you're just going to be space trash and you're just the, everything it's going to decide you go in the same direction, same trajectory, same speed until another object changes that for you. That's what space trash does. You know, that's what happens in space. You basically, you can, I can throw something at a certain velocity in a certain direction. It will continue to do exactly that until something stops it. Yeah. So, okay, that's what you're going to do. You're just going to keep going until some other object comes in your way or some other circumstance kicks you in a different direction. And now you're just going to go this way. I mean, if yes. that's all you are, then yeah, Which I can see first... why you're miserable. You're, yeah. you're behaving like space trash. And when you wake up and find out that's what you are and that's all you've made of yourself, yeah, I'd be pretty fucking depressed too. I mean, that's that's not that's not anything to write home about. It's certainly not something my mom would be excited for. You know, be like, "Wow, that sucks for you. You could have been anything, and you chose to be space trash." You know, it's like that's, that's going to be the title of this episode. What you behave like space trash. <laughs> that's yeah. that's going to be that. Yeah, fucking love it. But that's true. I mean, that's what people are doing, and you know, it's it's disturbing to see that because. Now they've created communities out of pity, 
So Out people victim, are, it's victim porn and, tra- and trauma bonding. Yeah, exactly. They are forging relationships out of trauma. And mm-hmm. so what ends up, I mean, what's really sad is that now, because the thing about relationships is that whatever energy you bring to the table becomes exponentially bigger. Yes. So it's not just one and one is two. When it comes to that kind of the, the energy between people, it's one and one is like five. Like it can magnify greatly. Right. So like there's people high, like, okay, you can, you can be successful by yourself. Right. But now that you've collaborated with other successful people, you've become exponentially more successful in that yep. networking than you would have by yourself. That's not to say you couldn't do it by yourself. It's sure. that you would never achieve that without the networking and the brainstorming and the ideas and the inspiration and whatever that is. Right. But you got more out of, there's more than one in one yep. out of that. Right. Yep. Well, the same is true on the negative side, right? So it's not just, I'm a miserable fuck. I'm now going to collaborate with other miserable fucks. Yeah. And misery is going to exponentially expand out of our relationship. Yeah. And <laughs> if you don't, don't behave according to our misery contract, <laughs> you are being exiled. Right. You, don't, you don't get to belong to our group anymore. Right, right. And so if we are the victims, we women, we whatever culture, we whatever demographic are the victims. Yeah. And there's one who is who who is like, well, I don't associate like I I can I I can't relate, but hey, so I'm going to do me. Now that person is the traitor. Right. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You're I mean, you're what there's all sorts of shit that I get called, right? I I'm a I've I've embraced my inner misogynist. I'm a pick me girl. I want guys to pick me. And so I'm waiting for that guy to find me on online and this, and, and he's going to like me and he's going to show me approval. And I'm looking for that. And I'm like, no, I, you know, and it's like, but the thing, the, ex- I can, but I always make fun of pick me's and I have such a hard time. Anyone on the planet calling, seeing how the fuck sometimes aggressive you write calling you a pick me. I like, I, <laughs> you give me too much credit you act as if i have those fucks to give and i don't (laughs) you write like a fucking drill sergeant always which this is why i love you so much how the hell did you did anyone well it's you know and it's but it's because i call their i call them out on their shit right and i'm like i said you when a man calls you out you say he doesn't have a right so fine i'll do it you know, I, don't, I mean, when you're wrong, you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. You know, I mean, it's like they were talking, they were, there, was a, there was a post about this guy who goes on a lecture circuit saying, don't date single moms. Here's why. And he gives his checklist. And I read it and I was like, I can see why you're cynical. You got burned. And that's obvious. Okay. I mean, you're going to have to work your shit out. But I get, I understand why you feel that way. And I know that bitch. Everybody knows the bitch that fits that description that you just wrote out too. I know her. So it's a, so a two part thing. Yeah, that's correct. I said, okay, you might be a little too broken and damaged and that that's its own problem, but I'm not dating you. So why the fuck do I care? You know? And then it's like, but then it's like, at the same time, I'm like, but there was a damaged bitch in your life who, who fit all of these characteristics and that's real. So I'm going to go back to my harem of Yoni sisters and say, excuse me, though. Let's not be that. Let's not pretend like this bitch doesn't exist. 
She yes. sure does. She yes. sure does. She could have been your mom for all we know. Because here's the thing. You can talk about how toxic men are, but don't don't talk to me like your mom wasn't toxic or like your grandma wasn't toxic or like your aunt wasn't toxic. Let's let's not pretend that toxic men or toxic people can 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 exist on their own. Mm. They need someone to be toxic too. That's right. Because let me I love, I'm using the Eskimos forever as this example. So Eskimos back in the day, I don't know if it's still the, the, still the case, but they would have this like social, social actual justice where they wouldn't have like prison or something. But what would they do if someone would really behave like un, unacceptable, they would put him in the center of um, the, of the square. They would all laugh at him. And like, he would be like completely ignored for a while. Cause they would mm-hmm. be like, no, we're not doing this. So that, so Let's not pretend that – so if toxic people were just toxic on their own, everyone would be like, oh, okay, well, no. If, if toxic people were the problem, then they would be like any other, you know, village nutcase that we have. It's like, oh, hey, that's Harry, the village nutcase. But no one would interact with vill- with, with Harry because Harry's crazy. Right. Exactly. No, no. But you're the victim. You get to play the – there's so much power in being the victim right. and someone had done harm to you. That's and now right. you get to control the story because now you get to control the response to, of people to your story and everyone get to pity you and you get to mentally masturbate all of us and like we can yep. juice all over the fucking place and be like, oh, baby, you're trauma. But, oh, did you, but, you, but I, oh my God, I had that happen to me. Like it just happened to me. I had no saying whatsoever. Right. And, it, and it's like, you know, I, and the thing is, is the worst thing in the world happening to you is a moment in time. It's been done and it's over. And now the question is, how long, how, how much life are you going to breathe into that event? Right. Whatever that negative thing was, whether it's the divorce or, you know, uh, somebody mugged you or, you know, uh, somebody made fun of right. you in high school, whatever. I don't know. Whatever traumatic thing. Heart for it, yeah. mm-hmm. Whatever it is. That was a moment in time that you keep resuscitating and you keep on life support in your head, you know, and it's probably since morphed into something else because your imagination has filled in a lot of blanks for your memory and you've chosen to keep certain aspects alive and let other aspects die. And you've said, okay, now what's left is this Frankenstein memory of something that happened in the past. And I carry this with me. And it's like, and it's like, I'm not trying to be glib about it. I think that people need to work through it. And I think that takes work, 100%. but I don't, and I, and it's not to say that that didn't happen to you and to negate that it's that, okay, but why are you still toting that shit around? Like he's an asshole. Like if he's an asshole, why the fuck does he still live with you? Well, we broke up. No, no bitch. He's right why? there. <laughs> I see him. He's like Let- in your head, in your eyes. I can see it. Like, Why do you actively keep searching for that physical external partner, whether it's a him, a parent, a friend, whatever? Mm-hmm. And if you did get to the place, I applaud you, that you have removed them physically from your life. Why are they still? Why are you now perpetuating the self-destructing habits that they have implied in like their absence? You know? yeah. And yeah. now, now, like you don't even need them anymore. You're you're fine, self-destructing all on your own. Right. Right. It's like that, you know, that image, I don't know if you've ever seen it, where like the, um, an elephant is tied to something for so long that yeah. you can then tie him to a plastic chair. Yeah. And, and it's it, with horses, it's with, it's with yeah. a lot of animals. So yeah. you, you just put it on the, 
Yeah, that that's what that's what it is. It's like I don't. It doesn't matter that I've gotten rid of the tree or the or the, the strong post. The restriction. The restriction. Already, I'm already a prisoner of my own self, and I've all you know, and I've already put the chains on myself. I don't need the post anymore to do that for yeah. me. And it's like, so I mean, so that which which then begs the question: How much of the problem was you in all of that? How much sure. was your was your responsibility? Because I look at my divorce, and I'm not the type of person to say, you know. He was a hundred percent the asshole. And also, why did you fucking choose him? If why did you even get to this point of getting married if he was one hundred percent an asshole? Right, exactly. And it's like you know, I married him for something, right? And right? and, and yes. there was and there were positive things. And it's like, and I can be honest about the fact that it's like okay, but there were things that just didn't work, mm-hmm, okay, sure. and that didn't work for me. And so sure. I chose to leave, and that was on me. And I and the thing is, is it was my particularness. That led to the divorce. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who said this isn't sufficient for me. It was my go. values. It was my desires. It was my everything that said, mm-hmm. no, I don't like this anymore. It's not, I can't call him an asshole for not being someone he's not. Like, I can call him an asshole for doing asshole things, but sure. I can't call him an asshole for simply not being someone that didn't, ex- that, that only existed in my head. Yeah, you know, and, that you hope, yeah, one hundred. Yeah, that's not his fault. Like, I'm like, I can't blame him for that. You know, I, you know, people are like, well, oh, it's because he didn't do this, he didn't do that. And I'm like, but that wasn't him. That was me asking for things that he, that was not part of him. Like, I, I have to own that part, and I have to own the part where I said, I, where I somewhere in my head said, I can train him, I can fix him, and I can and this him. is the thing. This is the thing. Oh, we get too upset with others. Um, and I use the dog example. If you yell at a chihuahua that it's not uh, a Doberman, yeah. then the problem is you. Hundred mm, percent. Because right. somehow you, you you can't train a chihuahua into a Doberman. That's right. It it's like it it's on all levels not possible. Right. Just like you can't you can't. I can give endless examples. Right. Right. You can't train some someone into something else that they're not. That's correct. And it's and nor what kind of learn problematic dynamic do and i had the same i i, I used to be a rescuer mm-hmm. i used to be a rescuer mm-hmm. um from some kind of unhealed place that i wish that someone had rescued me right or i guess I, yeah but that's on me right 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 i mean if you're gonna treat people like straight cats you know, and take them all in and be like, I'll take you in and I'll, you know, I'm the halfway house for losers. Then, you know, that's what you're going to become. And, you know, and it's like, and the idea that you sit there and wonder, why the fuck do I always get these losers? Well, you're all but looking for them. You've all right. put the beacon out your window and said, hey, yeah. please apply here, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's going to happen. It's like. Because healthy dynamics don't appeal to you. That's right. And because they don't appeal to you. There is something in primarily in other people who have healthy, who are seeking healthy dynamics that knows to avoid you. Yes. And this goes both ways. I keep like uh, the whole like, you know, friend zone thing. If this is women are often rescuers, in my opinion, um, and like to, you know, on the other side, become like be resentful or victimhood. And for men, they go after unattainable women that are clearly on all levels and any levels out of their league. And then they get to be the victim because that person, right. I'm like, what are we doing babies? What are we doing? Yeah. I mean, you've got, you, you know, the way I see it is that, 
anxiety is brought on by worry and worry is a waste of imagination. 100. Right. So rather than be anxious about something, should we not be excited about it? Because excitement takes just as much imagination as anxiety mm-hmm. about things that haven't happened yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Anxiety has to do with the future. Depression has to have to do, has to do with the past. So mm-hmm. it's so basically if I'm going to dedicate any mind power and imagination to something, why not imagine a place and a life or a circumstance that's something to be excited about rather than something to be feared? So 100. which I feel like that's one of the reasons why people don't try, because ultimately they're like, well, what, what if I fail? What the fuck if you do five years from now, it's five years from now. So either five years from now, you're going to say, I did it. Or five years from now, you're going to say, I tried it and it didn't work out. So, and, and this, <laughs> so this is the thing. When you try and you fail, then you're still at the same place. However, you opened up the opportunity for not to be in the same place anymore. If you don't try, you're regardless, you're like, you will remain in the same place. You're not right. even, you're actually closing all doors to opportunity. Right. The answer was no, then. The answer is, is definitively no if you don't try. It's yeah. maybe if you do. Yes. That's it. And that's for everybody, you know? Yeah. And when you do try and you fail, you're still better off because now you know how not to do it. <laughs> you found yeah. one way not to do it, <laughs> you know? And now you need to go find the other 500 ways not to do it. And you'll find the 501st way to do it. And how much value there is in that. And this now starts to sound like some of the workshops I actually give, where it's like, how do we lose the value of knowing what it's not? Right. I mean, I think one of the rights that were stolen from us out the gate was the right to fail. You know, I have a, I mean, everybody wants the right to succeed. Nobody sees any value in the right to fail. And I'm like, but that is probably the most important right we have. You have a right to fuck up. You have a right to fall on your ass. And it's like, and, you know, any parent who says, I don't want my kid to ever get hurt, while I can appreciate that, I can appreciate why. It comes from a good place. Absolutely, it does. If I could get my teeth drilled instead of you, I would do it in a heartbeat. But here's the thing. If you eat a bunch of shit and you get cavities, I cannot sit in that chair for you, boo. So it is what it is. If you, if you, if after I told you to look both ways, you still run out in the street and get your ass hit, you're going to get your ass hit. I don't need to do anything more to you. Life has its own consequences. It's going to deal out, but you need consequences, life consequences, real ones, not the fake shit of like, oh, okay. Because nobody actually spanks you for lying unless you pay for it. <laughs> but, you know. But, unless you come to me. Right. <laughs> for a nominal fee, I can make that happen for you. But like, sure. You know, but it's like, but I mean, outside of that, it's like, the, in reality, when you lie, what ends up happening when you get busted, right? The re- real life consequences have nothing to do with spankings. They have much greater value to them, right? They have, 100%. you can lose your fucking livelihood. You can lose your job. You can lose your friends, your family. You can lose everything. You can lose your whole fucking life to a lie. So it's like, there yeah. are real consequences to that. And, you know, a spanking isn't among them, you know? So it's like, let's give real consequences to people to show them what life is. And I'll show you what failure really looks like. You know, my mom did that for me. I lied to her once. God, I remember it like it was fucking How did that go? Yeah. Let's do Japanese mom versus East European mom. If I did the same too, tell me. Okay, I'll tell you exactly what she did. I said, you know, I lied to her and I came back and I said, you know, and she busted me. And I said. Do you remember what you lied about? 
I lied about where I was going. I lied that I was going to go out the outside okay. and I went to a friend's okay. house instead. There we go. Okay. And my mom busted me and I said, I'm sorry for lying. Right. I felt bad because I, you know, she was hurt. And she says, I don't believe you. And I was like, oh, fuck. I said, what do you mean? She says, well, you're a liar. So how can I believe that you're sorry? And I was like, oh, fuck. I mean, holy shit, I'm six. I'm this many. Oh, baby. <laughs> I remember those words like it happened yesterday. I, I mean, on God, that fucking took me out. I was like, she's like, you're a fucking liar. How am I supposed to believe you're sorry? And I said, but I am. And she said, and I said, I don't know what else to say. And she says, do you see what that means? Do you understand what lying does? Do you see what that is? It's like, now I can't believe you. Now I can't trust you. And now when you want me to believe you the most, I can't. And I was mm-hmm. like, and she didn't have to hit me. Uh-uh. Fucking, I'm already, I'm already, she already took the wind out of me. And I was like, and I, and she says, now you have to show me through your actions and your words that they line up again. Your, your yes. actions have to line up with your words again because they're all fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you messed it up. They were, they were like this. And then you set them like this. Now they're crooked. And now, yep. and now you have to get it back to this. And the only yeah. way to do that is over time, show me that you're honest and I can trust you again. Man, yeah. the rest you of my know. life, I'm 44. I'm still proving that I'm not a liar. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who needs a spanking? But the, that's real life, though. Real life is yeah. the people who love you the most will no longer trust you because you have now branded yourself a liar. Right? Yeah. And that's like 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, in my, in my case, I'm six. Who the fuck is the most important person in the world to me? My parents. Mom. That's all I have, you know? I mean, I have I have a little sister who can't talk, but basically. And perhaps a teddy bear. Yeah, but, but I'm like, I got a mom place. and a dad. My dad's fucking spitting nails, and my mom's fucking sad. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize what lying could truly do. Not just what could happen to me, but what could happen to me and my mom or me and my dad. And it's like there's not a day that goes by and it's like so there there was no amount of spanking that could have fixed that the threat of losing my mom's trust was enough to where it was like and and that was it and it's like so how are we teaching people to fail and to get back up again so she gave me a problem she told me the consequences and then she told me how to fix it right yeah and that is true mentorship that is true discipleship that is true discipline and one and that's what I wrote down. Like I feel that leadership, mentorship, parenthood is about create creating and honoring real life loss in a safe environment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a controlled environment. Out there, there's not going to be safe environment anymore. There's not going to be a do over. No there's way. not going to be. Oh, but you know, Mister Judge, you know, I had these feelings today. Therefore, you should feelings. dismiss whatever happened, yeah. right? Like, there's there there's no there's none of that. Right. That's right. And that's it. I, I mean, I can't. I can. I can for a little while show you what happens if you don't listen. I can show you for a little while what happens if you lie or if you do. You know, you do something bad. You steal something or whatever. Under this circumstance, and it's like, and then it's like, okay, now you're going to go out in your youth, 18, 19, 20, whatever, make all the mistakes now, don't live timidly, live, live to its fullest extent, try every motherfucking thing, get it out of your system, 
Mrs. Rumspringer from fucking 18 to 25. Get the, get it, whatever it is that, you, that I didn't let you do that you need to get out of your system, fucking do it. Fuck mm-hmm. up, fall on your ass, and now you have the rest of your life to get back up again. Do not yes. make the mistake of, put, of delaying that satisfaction until you're 45 or 50 and you have no room and no bandwidth left to fix it. And you're, yeah. you know, and then you live in this fucking regret. You know, you can't, there's no time to heal now. You're abbreviated. You're, you've got, you know, the youth in you to work it off is not there anymore. And it's like, you know, and, and to, the resilience isn't there anymore. You know, it just isn't. I mean, you're far more physically rigid. You're emotionally rigid. You're phys- you're mentally rigid. You're intellectually yeah. rigid. When yeah. you're young, you can still take it. And you the elasticity. Exactly. Exactly. Rebound. You know, it's like um, your kid falls down. It's not nearly as bad as if I fell down. That's for damn sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my kid gets 100. sick. They're going to get better faster than I am. You know, there's so many things that they're going to learn and there's so many things, there's so much resilience they can build up in themselves in their youth by allowing them to get sick, allowing them to fall down, allowing them to get hurt, allowing them to fuck up. There's there's more than just germ immunity, by the way. Right. There's life immunity. Like you can build an immune system and become impervious to the opinions of others. You can become you can build an immunity to. Um, you know, to, to being alone, you can build immunity to things that would otherwise terrify others, right? So it's like people are terrified of being rejected. People are terrified of being alone. People are terrified of losing their friends. But if I, if I raise you in a way that says it's okay, you can bounce back from this and they know it, then it's like, all right, so I'm alone for a little while. Fuck it. I guess I'll do my thing until I meet other people. And that's kind of how it goes. You know, it's it's not like my older sister was far more married to the idea of having her friends around her. Like she was really bothered by the idea of having to move or, you know, or have to start over or do a thing. That was really hard for her, you know. And it's like, whereas me, I was like, all right, I guess I start over. So, I mean. There's so much excitement in that. It's, too. Not, it's not like my friends are dying. They're still going to be there. Like they're not, this is not a terminal thing. Like this is a, you know, I'm just going to another place on the planet. It's going to be okay. You know, and it's like no big deal. I'm starting a new job. Okay, great. Let's see what I can do and where I can learn. And I'll just keep asking questions. No big deal. You know, I'm moving into a new house. Okay. Got to unpack my shit. Got to go through my crap so I don't pay to bring it. You know, and it's like, it's okay. It's a process, but it's like, but people who can take that kind of thing in stride means that they can let go of things when it's time, you know, and they have an under, there is a, there is a primal understanding that nothing is forever and that's okay with you. You appreciate what you have when you have it and we it's go. Okay when it's time to go, you know, the moment you understand that death is coming, you under you start to value life. Correct. It's like there needs to be a certain reverence for that. You know, like there needs to be like, you know, like one of the things I took out of Japan was the philosophy of knowing that nothing is complete, nothing is perfect and nothing is permanent. Right. Once you know that and once you come to terms with that, you stop seeking those things. I'm not going to look for perfection because perfection doesn't exist. It's an illusion, right? I'm not going to look for, I'm not going to expect that something's going to have finality and closure. If I don't, if I, if I constantly expect that and feel entitled to it and I don't get it, I'm going to drive myself insane, you know, and 
you know, and, and I'm not going to expect, I'm not entitled to things being permanent. I'm not, ex, I'm not entitled to live forever. And I'm not entitled for my loved ones to live forever. And I'm not entitled to people loving me forever and being in my life forever. I have to know that at any, if I have a truly free relationship with somebody, they can choose to go. And I have to say, okay, then that, then thank you for the time you gave me. You know, and thank you for your companionship on that portion of my life journey. Mm. Time to keep going. And now what's next? You know, what's next? Thank you. I can I can look back fondly and not feel resentment for that for 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 parting ways, you know, for somebody dying. I mean, you know, there's people I literally don't talk to my little sister for this. She blamed she she the way she phrased it, and I know she meant it this way, even though she'll deny it. She says, I wouldn't be sad if my dad, if dad didn't die. And I'm like, so it's dad's fault for dying that you're sad? No, ma'am. Nope, that's not it. That's not it. You've got it all fucking wrong. And you need to sort that business out because that is quite possibly one of the most disrespectful things I've ever heard. You know, And harmful delusions. Very infantile, very infantile. It's very, yeah, when you're like, when you're three and you don't understand that death even like that, that it's a thing. Right. Except she's only five years younger than me. So I'm like, this is, you know, there's no excuse for this. It's like, no, you're not entitled to him living forever. You're not entitled to him not dying. You're not entitled to that. He has his own fucking book. He's only, he's only a guest star in your story he's the star of his own story but he's a guest in yours and so he's not going to be there forever he's going to write himself out at some point and he has a right to do it and the fact that you don't respect those boundaries and you don't respect those that that he parameters yeah Yeah. you need to in any relationship if you can't respect the fact that i am first and foremost my own person and that we have overlap but we are not one in the same. If there we, we you know, you if you can't let go of that idea, you're setting yourself up for some serious, serious fucking feelings that you're not going to be able to get out of. Because, I mean, you're first of all, you painted yourself into that corner through sheer, through entitlement. You've built this house of entitlement, and you can't find a way out because you don't feel like you have a right to go through that wall. So, I mean you're boxing yourself into this and it's a miserable fucking place because everybody's going to be cashing out at some point. You know, you're the only one left in your story that stays the same. Everyone else is going to go. Your kids are going to move out. You know, your husband might die. Your friends might move away. Like, how do you not understand your responsibility to build your own story? Like, as the star, as the hero, as the protagonist, if we're saying, you know, that what, what what's the name of your website? Righteously Superior. Oh, Righteously Superior. That's the other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, um, Chris, my boyfriend, says something that I really love, and that is, you know, in order to have external anarchy, you must have internal monarchy, right? One. So you cannot be without rulers on the outside if you don't first say, I control this. Because somebody has to control it. That's the thing. Nature abhors a vacuum. 
either you're going to run it or someone else is going to run it for you. There's no, there is no in between. There is no in between. So you better be the one holding all of the fucking controls and you better defend that control as violently as possible. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, and you can see what happens when they don't, you know, you see the sad shit that happens when they don't, how pathetic people become. You know, how weak, I mean, you listen to Jordan Peterson. I saw a thing where Jordan Peterson was like, you you know, if you think strong men are dangerous, wait until you see what weak men are capable of, right? And it's like, yeah, they'll fucking roll over in a fucking heartbeat over anything. Yeah. They'll they'll sell you out for a fucking corn chip. Like, (laughs) their price is not very high. Like, yeah. You know, these these are not elite hoes. These are dime store hoes that are like, oh yeah, I'll turn on you for anything. You know, yeah. you got a sandwich. Whoever has the biggest, whoever has the best shiny speech, not even things anymore. It's just who has the best shiny words. Yeah. Any anybody who can have the best, you know, sound bite, and you know, and it can be captured in fifteen seconds or less, or one hundred and fifty words or less, wins. And. And that's the depth. That's the depth that they're operating at. So, like, you know, it's a a shallow gene pool. (laughs) Do you have any closing things? I can do this for hours. So, please, can we do this again? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You'll come up with... Is there anything you want to say? Can we find you anywhere? How can we throw money at you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything like that. No. No. It's Uh, we we seriously must do this again. And for for anyone who's listening, oh first, do you have anything you want to share? Any closing argument, phrases, messages? Like, your normal talk is so deep. Like, I can't imagine. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. I I, I think we've covered quite a bit. So This is amazing. I'll save it for next time. (laughs) Please. Hey, for any listeners, um, I know, you know, talking to Kelly, listening to Kelly talk, and um, even sometimes observing when she says things that, you know, some evoke a reaction in me, right? And I'm just like wait, I don't know how I feel about this, ma'am. And I like, and I go inwards. Right. And one thing is that I always bump into some form of mental prison that I have built myself. And the beauty is mental prisons have keys because they're, they're all in us. So let this whole conversation be a fucking invitation to to even look at the mental prisons and even just observe like how did you build your inner soul mansion like how did you get to this where are the keys are there keys let's like thank you thank you so much kelly yeah absolutely. i'm gonna close off the recording don't go away yet but um everyone thank you so much fearless we'll talk to you soon I truly, 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 truly hope you enjoyed this episode today. And I would love to hear from you what really stood out to you. If there was something that ignited a certain feeling or deepened a certain insight. If something even pissed you off and you were like, yo, I could not handle this opinion. I so disagree with that. I love to hear that. Please share, um, leave reviews, tag friends. 
um, connect with me on Facebook, connect with me and follow me on Instagram. There's on Facebook, I have elaborate discussions and I do get involved uh, on Instagram. It's more storytelling and sharing pictures. And I follow a lot of people back. Um, as for what I do currently, my base course is the Dom course. It's a two part course where we get into the practical dominatrix work, which, which types exist, uh, eight, almost eight hour fetish library where I break down all the fetishes that exist that I know of, that I've worked of examples, what they are, what they not are, how one can utilize them, the traps and the upsides of it. Um, and there is another part where it's all about embodying the dominatrix archetype, getting more in touch with yourself, learning about your body, being more vocal in your desires and your needs, being more confident in who you are and how you want to show up, dismantling old beliefs, even a lot of researching what some of the beliefs are that we hold on, some of the programs that run within us and some of the coping mechanisms. As well as that, I have the Blood Coats 2.0 with our amazing, amazing Jesse Magic. This is all creativity, wealth, embodiment, in touch with being with our cycle, in touch with the external energies, a bunch of magic, a bunch of mysticism, a bunch of who highly, highly recommend. Then I have um, a workshop that's called the Four Money Rituals, speaks for itself. If you want to give your money magic a little a boost, they have been tested. They have been several dozens of time tried out and the feedback was amazing. Then I have the Tap In Workshop. It's a workshop where we demystify all these bullshit terms such as abundance, frequency, flow, uh, positive thinking, everything that kind of the love gaslight community ruined for us and how to take back those words. But also it's mostly, um, it's mostly focused on giving you a hands-on practice. I'm giving an exam, um, giving you examples of practices. I'm giving you examples of exercises and I'll take you all through it of how to get back to, instead of the the fluffy whatever it is but really get back to the core of yourself taking back the language and the meaning of certain words and then use them then get into the practices and really amplify on life and however you want it to be in the spring i have a new well course coming and in the fall probably winter i have a new befriending your inner demons coming so again thank you so much for listening to see you at the next episode